Hello everyone, I'm Thomas from Daft Punk. Random access memories, Daft Punk. Daft Punk and Thomas Angui from Daft Punk. There you go, Daft Punk. We assume that's Daft Punk under those helmets. Hello everyone, I'm Emmanuel from Daft Punk. Daft Punk mixes of Daft Punk. Let's get back to the to Daft Punk. It was because of, you know, Daft Punk. Daft Punk. Daft Punk. Daft Punk. Hello, robots, big and small, from around the world. It's time to get lucky because we can finally touch the greatest album of all time. An album I instantly had a crush on. An album that was within my grasp immediately, beyond anything I could have ever thought about. The fatherboard, the motherboard. <laughs> it's random access memories. Just do a mother and fatherboard bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. I like it. I, there was there was a, there was a few in there that I wanted to groan loudly at, but I held my tongue on. Random out of access respect. memories is the motherboard. <laughs> that's that's uh, <laughs> that random access memories is uh, a Daft Punk porn parody <laughs> that I'm currently working on. Yeah. Uh, there's a contingent of our audience very interested in Absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> very interested. The, the Spanish language Daft Punk group on Facebook mm-hmm. is like the, the English language group is like, I feel like they're interested in posting a lot of like ephemera and stuff. Yeah. The Spanish language one is very horny for Guimon. And like every post is like, yeah, like the translations are like, I would do anything the to two, have sex with them. And the it's two, like all memes. I love that group. The it's a good two, group. If you're not a, if yeah. you're not a, just join all the Daft Punk groups. Yeah. If you're listening to this, they're the place for you. Yeah. It's they're like, the they're very horny for Guimon. Uh, yeah. The Spanish language Facebook group, very horny for Guimon. And also Ed, uh, Eddie, Edward Furlong. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause those> two, <laughs> Guimon and Edward Furlong look identical. <laughs> this is our random. Random Access Memories, episode three. We've already, you've already heard us talk about the history. You've already heard us talk about the collaborators. Today, we're going to get down into the nitty and also maybe the gritty. The memories part of our Random this, Access. Yes. Part three, memories. Pa- part three, memories. Um, Yeah. Uh, fan favorite. Then we get to go track by track and talk about the album. Uh, I was telling my wife after we recorded random access memories part one uh, i said you know we we're gonna split our random access memories uh coverage into three episodes because we're gonna talk about this album for a long time like for instance last night we recorded for two hours and 45 minutes and she's like oh yeah you gotta split that up into three episodes and i said no 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 that two hours and 45 minutes is part part one. <laughs> Truly wild. It's, it's, it, honestly, in these Do episodes. Do you think she has any album that she would talk about for eight hours? Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. She, uh, I then said, you know, it, it's crazy. There's, there's people all around the world who enjoy listening to me and my best friends talk about Daft Punk for three hours a week. And her response was, well, better them than me. <laughs> <laughs> better them better than me. Better than what I was doing. Better, better than what, what I was I doing. Was doing. Uh, uh, that, dinner. That, uh, <laughs> dinner. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited for this one. I, yeah, I really am. This, um, I, I think I, on average, I listen to this album. I've listened to this album about two times a week for the last eight years. <laughs> this is, uh, this is hands down without a doubt the album I have listened to most in my lifetime. I would venture uh, out and say that this is my favorite album, not of Daft Punk, of music. Yeah. Um, this 
and uh, the Ronald McDonald and Friends Tell Scary Stories cassette tape I got from McDonald's when I was six years old. Shout yeah, out Ronald McDonald's. McDonald's. Yeah, that Wild Thornberry style animation. Oh, yeah. yeah. We got some great correspondence from fans oh, yeah? this week. Um, uh, we got a five-star review titled Robot Head, Robot Head emojis <laughs> on iTunes. Just found you guys. Excited to binge your show. Funny, I'm always the friend in my group who talks way too much about Daft Punk. Hell yeah, too. brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get it. This guy gets it. Get or it. guy or girl or or them. They get it. Uh, not seeing the 07 Alive Tour is such a big regret. So happy you didn't watch Ben Harper at Lollapalooza instead. So. I'm really happy too. I think my life would be much we different. We wouldn't be here. We we would not be here right now if I hadn't if I had followed my friends to Ben Harper. Yeah. Um, our old buddy Caesar, Caesar, yeah. uh, a cancer survivor who yeah. uh, who got help yeah. through a really tough part in uh, in his life with Daft Punk, he chimed in. Uh, um, we're gonna get to contact. Yeah, but he is working under the theory that Daft Punk knew uh, knew that that was the last song that they would ever put out. You're gonna. We'll get, talk uh, about that. We're gonna talk about it. But I'm on your side. We will talk about that in about three hours. Uh, but uh, um. He he also theorized about what a a Daft Punk live show would end, how it would end a po- in a post Ram world, yeah. outdoor stadium, after almost two hours of the greatest dance music ever mixed digitally and played with a live band. Uh, the stage is black. The audience is screaming. It's been two hours. How do you end this show? Everything has led to this moment. The lights slowly come up on the stage and Daft Punk are in white astronaut gear as they walk to their decks. The keyboard kicks in and contact starts. Over the course of the song, the stage starts moving, rising, constructing something. The band is jamming. The people are so awed by what they see. The song hits the halfway point when the drums really kick in. The stage is rotating, transforming, rising. Nobody knows what's going on and yet three sets of drummers are destroying it as the crescendo blasts. As they hit the cymbal for the last time, we see now the stage has formed it reached its final form the pyramid is complete whoa that, that, rock. <laughs> yeah, that, that would rock. rock i thought i thought you were gonna say they literally they blast, blast off, off in space, space. yeah, yeah so which, like go, that's the other it goes way. on as the as the song reaches a crescendo the the pyramid somehow it blasts off yeah no i'm on board with that <laughs> the uh, thing is like Contact is the final song on the record. A lot of people have not heard it, but there's actually a track after it called Challenger, and that is much grimmer, <laughs> and it's a lot sadder. Jeez. And that's about that's just the you final. That's just the final thirty seconds of it when it's just like. I, yeah, I, that I, part of it. So I would I, I would be in the group of people that would that pay show. a lot of money to go to that show. Absolutely, um, I would pay. I any would pay money. money. I would pay money to see anybody fly a pyramid in space yeah. it doesn't even have to be it doesn't a have band to be, yeah. i like just uh, somebody any any two people do you think it pisses off daft punk that their former label head went to space probably. this week <laughs> probably the owner of virgin <laughs> records or form i don't know if he still owns went that, to but space. he went to space this week and they've spent the and whole he probably didn't to listen to the contact at all while he was up there we also got an uh uh email from a new friend called mitchell austrian hi mitchell hi mitchell hey. He says, "Big fan of the podcast. He's just he's just found out, so he's a little bit behind. He's uh, he's on our human after all coverage right okay. now. So uh, I know the like uh, the, the fellas Tomas and Gimon seem a little down in the dumps at that this point, Mitchell. But they cheer better. up again. They cheer up. Um, he has some interesting tidbits. Uh, maybe you know this by now, but one of you mentioned that there wasn't any info on where the idea for Technologic comes from." There's a song called Video Games by Ronnie Jones that I'm fairly certain must have been inspiration or a jumping off point similar to how Iron Man 
is the jumping off point for Brainwasher. So that's something to check out. Um, he also says, when you were talking about primetime of your life at the end of the episode, you mentioned the movie Pleasantville. I have never seen this movie, but I thought it was interesting that you mentioned it because the little dialogue clip from the beginning of the song Together by Tomas and DJ Falcon is from that movie. Had no idea. Whoa, really? That Yeah, Whoa. that little audio clip at the beginning of that song is from Pleasantville. I never knew that. That is wild. Yeah. Huh. Uh, um, I, I, well, this is going to be a long episode, but I don't care. <laughs> I bought Pleasantville on DVD <clears throat> yeah. uh, at the Farmer Jack at the corner of my street as a kid. Hell like yeah. I, I got $7 somehow and I was Shout so out Farmer Jack. Up. My parents met at Farmer Jack. Great. Rocks. I, I went there. My parents as a, met at Farmer Jail. <laughs> yeah, brother. I went to Farmer Jack as an 11 year old because it was the only store within walking distance. Yeah. And with the, the only seven bucks I had, I bought Pleasantville on DVD. Quiet drama <laughs> about <laughs> a, a family from the TV 50s. movie. <laughs> Why? Who gave me seven bucks and let me Take it to Farmer Jake. Who knows? And why did I buy Pleasantville? Why not? That's a, a funny movie. I was taking the little bit of random money I had and buying Surge Slurpees at this time in my life. <laughs> we used to return bottles to get a dozen donuts yeah. of old donuts yeah. at Farmer Jake. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. That's crazy that Together's from that movie. Yeah, I had no idea. Uh, so thank you so much, Mitchell. Mitchell, we are so happy that you uh, that you have joined us here. We are quickly approaching the end of this little uh, um, project um, because obviously if you're listening to this, you know that Random Access Memories is Daft Punk's last uh, and greatest album. It is. <laughs> um, so um, how many more do we have after this? So uh, next week we're going to be covering the post-RAM era. Like yeah. in our first episode, we covered the pre-homework era. Uh, we're going to have a wrap-up episode where we talk about our favorite. You know what's really fitting then? Uh, we're on episode 19. We're going to finish with 21 episodes on yeah. the, uh, for a live 2021. So this show can officially Damn. drink. Yeah, so the show can drink. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, and next year we can do another one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. We have to find one episode to split up for yeah. 22. Um, uh, we're going to do a, yeah, a wrap-up episode where we rank our favorite Daft Punk songs. We're going to rank all the records. Uh, and we might have uh, some one-off special kind of fun stuff for you planned in the future. Um, you know, there might be, I don't know, folks that are writing Daft Punk books that might come and talk yeah. to us for a while. Things like, things like that. Things like or that. if we so. get really fired up and want to do a mini series about another group for a while, maybe we'll, we'll yeah. even check in with us for that. I, um, we I, love dance music. We're not going to, we're not going to go away. If you enjoy us, uh, um, we're not going to go away. If you're only here for the Daft Punk, I, I don't know what to tell you, yeah. but, uh, it's we like might they say, do not go quietly into that Daft cold punk. <laughs> Yeah, uh, in the future, yeah, we might uh, we might dive dive this deep into other electronic artists. We might do episodes where we just talk about an album from an electronic artist. Uh, we don't know. We're gonna we're, we're gonna keep having fun because this is this has been a blast. Yeah. Uh, if you like Mitchell, have uh, found the show and you want to reach out to us and tell a Daft Punk story or uh, let us know a Daft Punk uh, factoid like Mitchell did, or if you just want to uh, share love for this this group. Reach us at info at alive2021.com. Uh, you can email me, email me there. Uh, anything you want. Um, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us at the website alive2021.com where you can get a two French robots t-shirt. You can. And those are shipping out very soon. Yes. If you've bought one. Um, but yeah, um, this is this is it. This is Random Access Memories. Um, we talked about... Uh, the lead up to this, um, in the history episode, I was incredibly invested in the ramp up to the ramp 
up. <laughs> you, you know what the I mean? The ram. Yeah, ram up uh, yeah. to this album. I was all in. This was my favorite band. They had a really cool rollout, a really cool marketing campaign. I ate up every snippet of this thing I could. Uh, and then it uh, released. They had that listening party. And I, right away, I was blown away. It just sounded, it sounds like nothing else I've ever heard. Uh, it's like it's like a classic 70s disco record with all this new fangled stuff and interesting current noises mixed with oil. It was just, it blew me away right off the bat. Not a lot of other stuff that's fangled aside from new. You know, there's... Yeah. New fangled, not a lot of other fangled. Old, old fangled, not a lot of old fangled. No. Not a not, lot of you don't fangle a no, lot of stuff. You, there's not much middle-aged fangle going no, on. No, very little middling fangling. <laughs> middling fangle. Um, but I yeah, I grew up in middle fangle. <laughs> uh, uh, what were uh, what were your first impressions? Do you remember the first time you heard this? I I remember so so. For me, again, I, I wasn't a, a Daft Punk lifer. I wasn't an electronic guy until recently. I know this doesn't uh, count as electronic. Uh, r- r- I mean, it does. You, we'll get into the specifics. Um, for me, I, I again, you, you can't be my age and not know Get Lucky. Uh, in- Instant Crush was one that was on my radar because Julian Casablancas, I was a Strokes guy. Uh I mean, I, I I didn't really give this album a full start to finish listen um, in the way that it deserves uh, until relatively recently. Um, so uh, I don't know my 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 impression of this album. We'll hear it is you know it's it's much greater than the sum of its pieces, even though its pieces are wonderful. I um, love every piece of it. Yeah, yeah. I I was you into, took a you took a little bit more coming around. Yeah, I took a. I was not super into. I was I was really into stuff that was dance floor oriented at this time. So dance floor oriented, dance floor oriented. <laughs> so when this came out, like I I kind of I gave it I don't I don't know if I gave it a front to back listen, but I I liked the singles and I had been told that I have to spend time with Giorgio by Maroder. I listened to that and it grooved, but none of the songs were like I'm gonna hear this in a warehouse. Yeah. And I was kind of like this is very cool, but didn't really like. I was like cool album and then i think didn't really go back to it a lot i think that there are a a big swath of daft punk fans that had that similar reaction there was a when this came out there was a lot of where are the bangers you know uh revisit discovery there's there's hit songs on there but it's not an album of wall-to-wall bangers like some people have the only thing they put out that is wall-to-wall bangers is alive right you know there's not a studio album right it is um, um, and because people, because that this came out in 2013 at the height of the big room EDM craze, people wanted the, like, uh, some folks wanted this to be, uh, a big room EDM record. And when it came out and it wasn't, there were many people who listened to it once and dismissed it in a, in a very similar way where Daft Punk, there's. There's uh, groups of Daft Punk fans. Every time one of these albums comes out, is confused and uh, and and indifferent about yeah. a record. Even when Discovery came out, there were a lot of homework fans that were like, "What the fuck is yeah. this?" Because each album is so wildly different. So I, I, I in a sense understand it, but if you were one of those Daft Punk fans that gave this a listen when it came out and said, "This is not like their other stuff. This is not for me." I, do, I truly don't think yeah. that you gave yeah. this album a, a proper amount of time. This is not this is not a 
This is not an earbuds record. This is a nice headphones record. This is a really quality high, uh, high quality loud speaker record. This is literally laying on the couch with good headphones. Yes, on. this like, is I, like I'm not going to watch TV. I'm going to sit down and listen to. To it. this day, eight this is years another, later, yeah, a, a Windows up so, car. Too. Yes, to to this yeah. day, eight years later, this record front to back is specifically used by audiophiles at like. Engine, sound engineering conferences to showcase how good speakers are because of the way it was recorded because of how much attention to detail there is in every single sound it's a this is a front to back gorgeous piece of music yeah it is a, a phenomenally beautiful piece of music this is class this is modern day classical music this is an all-time record i think that it will stand the test of time as one of the best things that came out in the early yeah, for for me, um, the decision we made one of those times we were at the cabin uh, that we go to to chill out, sit down, and listen to this album yeah. start to finish. Yeah, that that with with the group and then talk about it. You know when yeah. it, when it came up, that is what catapulted this rec- record uh, into my my top records uh, for sure. Um, you, you know, like I said, its pieces are great, but the start to finish um as an album it's one of the most beautiful things i've ever listened to um, yes so do you remember a couple of weeks ago when we had a a fan uh send his his track by track understanding of how this is a yes. concept yeah. record about how humans or about how robots uh, need to find love yes he he listened to our collaborators episode and he said i need to apologize uh, I think my theory is wrong because of uh, uh, how you, how you guys laid out how I, organically I it dis- came together. I disagree, yeah. though. I feel yeah. like you, they are editors. Yes. In yeah, I, I think they put. There's I, a narrative here that they put. I together. message him. I think there's a there's a theory. There there's a lot of validity to your theory. I think if you listen to the record and the themes throughout it, it is about it's about find trying to find human connections in an increasingly virtual and digital world. Yeah, that's kind of been their, their, yeah, their thesis for all yeah. their albums. When they said around the world, they were saying, "What you know? It's all, it's all." You can go around the world. You can go around the world. You can go around the world. Around the world. Part of the reason I did not spend a lot of time with this is because there was such a big boom of festival mm-hmm. big room stuff. I was living in New York, and I was. I very much felt like if this is not something I can go see now in my neighborhood, I don't care about it. So yeah. I wasn't, I feel like I wasn't listening to big records. I wasn't going to festivals Yeah. at this time. I was just like, I'm going to go to bars in my neighborhoods and like weird, like and they, shitty, like Brooklyn clubs and see weird little bands. That's they, the only music that matters to me. They and I missed a lot of stuff. Spent five years consciously putting together a record with the understanding of like, what if it was still 1976 and people cared about, the art form of an album right instead of instead of this increasingly focus on single like single distribution whatever and yeah like it's a 76 minute piece it that's a it is something of an investment it's like the same thing as watching a movie uh um so yeah it's it it is a, a bit of a big time commitment to sit down and like give this thing the attention it deserves so yeah, I totally I mean, understand I it. I watch movies way longer than seventy minutes if you're all the time. Yeah, I mean, if you, think if you of it as a cinematic phone. piece or whatever, and it's it's you know it it that's what it's made to do. It's made to be viewed like uh, uh, like like you would view a movie. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and so, if you just throw throw one of these tracks on your phone and listen to it while it's like sitting on the dashboard of your car, yeah, you're not gonna get the full experience. Uh, cool. Do we want to crack into the Let's album? Let's dig in. Dig in. Uh, so this is "Give Life Back to Music," the opening track on Random Access Memories. <laughs> So that's Nile. I love that. Um, th- those specifically that chime. It it just it's so light and it's so airy, but it it adds so much depth to this thing. It's it's if you like in passing, it almost seems like a throwaway thing, but that chime just ties this whole thing together in such a satisfying yeah. way. I love it so much. There, obviously, there's a lot of movement in this song, and we didn't we didn't show any of the lyrics. We didn't show the. Do you, do we want to show the big opening? Yeah, go for it. I think the big opening is important. I re, I really do. I yeah. think it sets the tone. Hit the opener. So this is how th- you put in the you put in the CD or you put on the vinyl, and this is how you're welcome to this opus of of music. listening to this and you have not spent time with this record now is a good time to pause this listen to the album and then come back to it because yeah. the, these songs are journeys and we're not going to be able to yeah we're not gonna be able to play pinpoint every, every like cool moment of it and you know the, the way we're going to talk about these songs you should spend some you time with listen, this. I also I listen, wanna, yes listen to the record because this thing the these songs move they go play I, yeah. I want to uh, remind so much, um, so much more like that was like the biggest issue the biggest critique we as a group had about their last studio album yeah. human after all right is that they found uh, they found grooves but they f- failed to find a way to make those grooves move this is like, this is an entire it's album like if of, every record was too long on discovery yeah. you know yeah. or if every song was too long on discovery because yeah. some of their songs especially the pop oriented stuff is a single statement mm-hmm. of a single groove and like these really, they Absolutely. don't they don't live I, in any pocket. We talked about this in the the history episode too. I want to remind everybody too. One of the, the the crazy sonic feats of this album is, you know, you one of the most apparent things that jumps out of me in that that opening clip is when that snare kicks in. There is so much you can hear the reverb on this snare, yeah. and I want to remind everybody that their one of their goals with this album was as little post EQing as possible. Mm-hmm. So all of this stuff is it's it's pretty much how they recorded it. Yeah. Um, which is truly remarkable to hear things like the, the like specifically that clip we played. The reverb on that snare is insane. All of these sounds are insane. This is this is tight. one of one of several instances on this album that I think very interestingly and I think probably very intentionally are are engineered almost in diametric opposition to how uh, electronic music is compo- is composed in this specific moment in time where they are not they are not uh, interested in a build. There's like three or four out al- 
tracks on this album that start enormous yeah. and then break and then break into something very soft and soothing. And in that that energy is really I mean, interesting but it goes to me. it goes the, give life back to music gets back into that, no, I, yeah. that opener. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying but they they do that but I think that that is intentional. And I I yeah. feel like it's almost like here's your build right at the top and it's not how you think it's going to be. I mean, I, I think like you know, in in the the press circuit, you know, you you hear Pharrell in one of the the the, the collaborator clips. I mean, he directly says they're trying to give life back to music, and again, mm-hmm. like he's a con- he he's so, he's part of it or whatever. So um, he he knows what he's saying. So in that Wax Poetics interview we quoted a few weeks ago, Tom, Tomas mentioned the lyrics of the song. He said it's an optimistic statement. Uh, it's got a certain innocence that the 70s were filled with. There's no cynicism of any kind. Giman, on the other hand, opened up and said, yes, I understand how some people interpret this song cynically uh, as I, as a, some sort of jab at yeah. the current state of the music industry. So I think that that there's both there's um, there's. You know, two ways to look so at it. So the other the other thing for for me, like give give uh, let the music of your life give life uh, give life back to music, right? Uh, one of the things that I love about this album and why I think it's a great album um, is I um, I almost view the setting and the people you are with and experiencing it with as as a a huge factor in how you view this album. Mm-hmm. This album's much different if you're on your couch uh, listening to it on headphones than if you're with a couple friends yeah. talking oh, yeah. about it or if you're listening to it loud and just listen, you know. And so I, I think that um, you know the thesis is in that lyric, whether it's intentional, let the music of your life give life back to music. I, yeah. I, I for me, it feels like a very conscious thing when I listen to this mm-hmm. album to let where I am and what I'm doing be mm-hmm. a, a factor in it, a character in it. Sure. And it works that way, uh, which is uh, incredible. Um, so I found a very interesting um, O Magazine Q&A that T- Tomas gave where it's literally just they ask him track by track, what do you think of this one? What do you think of this one? And he gives a quote on each one. Uh, I'm going to highlight a, a couple of them. Uh, I'm not going to mention all of them, uh, uh, but some of them were very interesting. For Give Life Back to Music, Tomas said, uh, one of the ambitions of this record is to bring something light and elegant at the same time. What is fantastic about a performance like J.R. Robinson's, uh, who did guitar on this, uh, is the infinity of possible nuances. Something... Um, or sorry, J.R. Robinson's on drums, sorry. What's fantastic about a performance like J.R. Robinson's on drums is the infinity of possible nuances, something we were not used to with electronic programming. The records produced by Quincy Jones have always fascinated us with their precision. Ultimately, that has never been achieved by any technology. This is a bit of the fundamental difference between thriller and bad. In the latter, the titles are of a very high level, but the performances are much less nuanced. Um, so that uh, this, this is almost this track is almost a uh, thesis for the the record. Where it's like we have spent our lives programming drum machines, and now look at what we can do without them yeah. with with live instrumentation. And um, again, this is a th- yeah total thesis of the whole thing. Knowing uh, the way that you know a lot of these drums were assembled of of you know we're gonna yep. say we're, we're we're recording these live drums, and then we're we're essentially treating them with a sample mentality. Um, you know, it is, it is 
almost the best of both worlds. They know what they're looking for. They know what the human element they, they crave is in these drums and they don't have to try to program it into a machine. They can just find it in the, the tracks that yeah. they've created, which is very cool. The attention to detail is great. I, I mentioned uh, those chimes and how they uh, bring everything together. This is one of those songs we mentioned in the history episode where they had worked with a sound engineer from Warner Brothers movie studios to figure out how to capture um, live like uh, sound effects and we've got that like uh, this playful um, it, it almost sounds like kids playing on a playground yeah. like or, or like at a party kind of atmospheric stuff in the background uh, which which almost harkens back to uh, homework where we've got those moments where uh, um, the sound the song sounds like you're walking up yeah. to the club remember yeah. those those few moments on homework yeah. where they intentionally mix it so it sounds like you're walking up to the club and then it breaks in and yeah. you're in the club. Like Revolution 909 specifically yeah. is the, the big one. That um, and in in uh, in this, the beginning of Around the World. Yeah. Um, here, yeah, we've got that as atmospheric thing of like that sounds like folks like grooving out at a disco. Mm -hmm. And that adds like this depth of atmosphere to the song that's really cool. I think – the, the fidelity of this record's incredible sonically. I think our what the reason we're talking about it and the reason it's interesting to us is that we have this lens of dance music that we're interested in, and they're doing it through the lens of their dance act doing this. But there are a lot of groups who do analog fidelity stuff, a lot of rock bands, a lot of yeah. indie groups. So this is like, it's not like they're the only group doing this. The reason this is so compelling is that they made this journey from dance music into it from yeah. this world rather than they're a folk act or and then they took, a, a, an indie rock act. And then they took that experience as a as a dance act. And they, like we heard a couple of weeks ago, where Omar Hakim, this like journeyman legendary drummer was surprised at how they were using his studio stuff yeah because they were having him just like rail out on stuff and then they were cutting it up and like almost using his tracks as as the, as if they were exactly. would use a sample and we're really they're also they're doing this they're they're producing in this genre that you know other acts that are interested in analog production and tape production aside from maybe some of the more soulful and r&b groups like erica badu kind of thing usually the groups interested in doing that are rock and roll acts yeah, yeah. so like to have these dance guys producing like a little more down tempo but still groovy ass disco there yeah. wasn't there there aren't really people doing it and that's i think that's why this record's going to stand out totally. for a long time yeah uh fifth and final single off the album released january 31st 2014 it's officially the last Daft Punk single as a group, excluding their work on other artists' albums. It charted in nine countries around the world, including topping out at number nine on the U.S. dance chart, and it reaches high as number two in South Korea and Belgium. Features Niles Rogers and Paul Jackson Jr. on guitar, Jar Robinson on drums, and Chili Gonzalez on piano. Um, uh, Chili recorded everything he did for the record in one day. He said, he's quoted as saying, I played for hours and then they just grab whatever they grab and they turn it into whatever. Uh, he had, he left the studio having absolutely no idea what any of, how they would use any of his stuff or what anything would sound like, which is pretty crazy. That is very crazy. He just played piano for him and then they cut it up however they wanted. I mean, we saw it last in the collaborators episode though. That, that man just turns and can 
you know, he's yeah. he's got a perfect pitch. He's got a crazy mechanical brain the for this. Rock supergroup, the sounds of animals fighting from the world of like Chiodos and stuff do, like yes. that. No. RX Bandits. Mm-hmm. It was a group where one guy, they all wore animal masks. This is like 2005. They produced three records. He contacted all of these artists from all these bands and would bring them into the studio and not let them hear any of the other parts. Weird. And then he assembled these records. <laughs> they're they're very of the 2005 era, and some of it's you know more successful than others. But it I haven't thought about it until now. It reminds me of that. Yeah. He said we have to wear masks and have identity stuff because we're all signed to labels, so yeah. it's got to be anonymous. But I that's a very wild way to produce music, and yeah. I really. I don't know if I could do that in my own life. You have to have access to a lot of people, but that's a really and incredible way to do stuff. And studio space yeah. and, and a, a knowledge about how to link so many disparate things together. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, that's the opening track. Do we want to move on? Yeah, let's do it. All right, this is track so How about two. we groove on? Are we, you ready to groove on? Let's groove on. Let's groove on. All right, let's groove on. This is the game of love. One that would be breaking my Like so, we we talked about how Giorgio was in awe of how they use vocorders. They use that as an instrument, and it's such an incredibly yeah. beautiful way in that moment where those lyrics softly transform into a fucking synthesizer there's, solo. It's incredible. There's that's two, an incredible um, moment. There's two vocoder moments for me in this album that I absolutely love. One is the one you just played right yeah. there. Um, and then the other one is at the end of lose yourself to dance where there's like the vocoder medley going on. We'll get there. But um, for me, that is a, one of the perfect examples of them taking this sound that they've established as the robot voice. Um, and really you like, like I've mentioned before, using it in a way that a, 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 a vocalist in a band would flex their range. Like it's so them, but this is such an original, beautiful, uh, way to, to, um, have that, you know, this new window into the, never, the robot voice. I've never heard anything like that before. Like, a, a that, that soft, soft, beautiful vocoder noise, like hum like hum down into a synthesizer solo i've never heard anything like that before and it just traditionally use it as a novelty you know it's like this is a trick that i'm going to do for one song or they use it as like they're going to chop and repeat yeah something i mean that feels that that's that feels like benny benassi or some shit yeah that feels that the way that they use it feels almost like 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 i don't know like a jazz guitar solo or something really like it's it's yeah i've heard similar stuff to that on like a a soft moody guitar solo or whatever but the way that you know what it reminds me of very mind-blowing have you ever seen the movie adaptation i have yeah when meryl streep's character is high on that flower phones right shit and she she is trying to get the the um yeah the, f- the humming dial tone. the dial tone happening on the same thing and they hum together until it vibrates on the phone 
Spike That's Jones what... got that idea from he. They talked about it and they did this together. <laughs> this, yeah. I don't think that I've, I don't think I've given up guitar for bass, but I'm much more interested in playing bass now than I I am in playing guitar, and I've been spending a lot more time with it. And my relationship to bass growing up in punk bands and stuff has always been like, you are going to play just underneath the guitar. Yes, and. Obviously, this record is very drums forward. There's a lot of spots for drummers to shine. But what I really enjoy about it is like with a lot of dance artists, like, you know, electronic dance artists, bass is something you draw on the computer Mm -hmm. or something you sample from a record. And this is like it it really lets the bass groove. It's not it's it's not loops in the way that it's um, like over and over. It is like really played out like really funky stuff. It is. It's it's rhythm section driven. It's drums, drums and bass. Uh, occupy the whole record and yeah. I don't think that's by accident like we learned in the history rec- uh, episode the first thing that they did after they had gotten their solo demos together so the two of them noodled around and shit and got a couple demos together first thing they record uh, for officially for Ram are the bass and the drums with synthesizers uh, with the sound engineers at the Henson studio and then the entire record is born out of those sessions they they specifically were interested in finding a deeper sound and groove from the drums and bass than they could ever get from the the machines that they had been using, and yeah, I, I think that that's why that th- this whole record is a celebration of live rhythm section. Yeah, I, it explores like the harmonic possibility of the bass and the rhythmic possibility in a way that if you are if you're an electronic artist. The bass is eight, eight, you know, an eight count. It's two bars of mute of whatever that you figure out, and then you just loop it through the song. Yeah. And the bass is not often; it's something that's going to hit you. It's not like a, something that really moves around yeah. in any meaningful way. It. Unless I mean, you slap but it, even, with, with like, but with a live yeah. bassist, it really like moves through the song. Yeah. It's not I mean, just we repeating. think of some legendary the, bass lines that they've right, like Voyager. You, you talk, but I mean, but you talk about. Uh, around the world, how the second yeah. bass part, but the first bass part is just boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 very straight, boom, 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 and that's it, and it just yeah. starts over, and, and until the second part later on. Yeah. But I mean, it's a loop. We know now that it's on a synth, yeah, uh, based on a, um, a quote that Andy found. Uh, yeah. So I mean, that's it's it's a very much you know earlier on, it's very much in a live baseline but it isn't alive in the way that it's executed yep. you know it's, even it's, voyager it's not, with my yeah. which might be the most compelling baseline of their career yeah. yeah voyager does not move through songs as hard as some of these lines yeah. do because no. these, these bases you, you can't drive this replicate it no on, on a computer yeah no. it's beautiful uh in the old magazine piece uh tomas says we sing with vocorders in an age where human voices are being processed to become robotic, we have found it exciting to make a robotic voice as human as possible. The idea of an artificial intelligence which approaches the man, an emotion of something which is not human but which tries to be it. Which goes back to that idea that this is a record about trying to find real human love yep. in a digital and world. that quote right there, I'll, I'll, I'll bounce back to that Chile Gonzalez quote. It's amazing how the most mathematic thing that in music to him is, is, is harmony. Uh, yet, you know, the, 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 
the numbers and the measurements and the science of harmony are what can create the motion, most yep. emotional uh, sounds in songs. Uh, and again, this is Daft Punk diving into that. It is idea. crazy that you can be like, I know that 440 yeah. kilohertz into 880, and then 880 kilohertz is going to make me feel something. Yep. That's a really nuts Yeah, I mean, the octave, the octave, and then the, the fifth or whatever yeah. is, is. Like being uh, able to put a numerical value yeah. on how mm-hmm. music makes it's you simple. feel is. Because usually music just make me lose control. It makes me lose control. Make me lose control. (laughs) This is interestingly most of like this is such a collaboration heavy album. And it's such a thing where they're celebrating getting to work with these people they love and respect. There's only two songs on this uh, where Daft Punk has sole writing credit. This is one of them. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Next is the big one or one of the big ones. I would say that there is 13 equal big ones. Yeah, great, 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 great. Be but this is them. one of the of the big ones. This is one of the bigger oh ones. God. <laughs> God. Just play this song. Yeah. This is Giorgio by Maroder. My name is Giovanni Giorgio, but everybody calls me Giorgio. I wish I could play this whole song. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, this is a nine-minute journey. I mean, nine this, this is the longest journey. song on the album. I think yes. that one of my favorite parts of the song is when he says, "I knew we had to put the click on," and then the click starts, and then I, I, I don't know if it's him or if they did it in the studio, but there starts being a more rhythmic element to the words, like they're they're spacing yeah. out the phrasing. I can't tell if that's him talking to a click. I will. Uh, I got plenty. Yeah. <laughs> this is the one I got the most uh, information on. Oh, let's, let's, let's let you um, dive talk about it. Um, so, okay. So, in 1962, famed French director Francois, uh, Francois, yeah, Francois Truffaut sat down for an in-depth chat with Alfred Hitchcock, one of the most influential filmmakers of his generation, and they talked and talked and talked and talked. All told, the two men spent an entire week locked in a room at Universal Studios talking about movies, talking about their own work, their own influences, their passions. Where they, where they shot all that. Where, yes, Universal, Universal Studios, Studios yeah. exactly where they, in the room where they shot all that. Where they slimed uh, Summer Sanders and <laughs> yeah. stuff? Okay. And th- they, they slimed these guys they over and over Hitchcock again. And Truffaut. <laughs> yeah. uh, they just talked about their passions, their influences. The end result was an incredibly detailed look at the art of film and almost pornographic detail of two of the of film's most interesting artists and how they viewed their own work. The conversation was transcribed and released as a book called Hitchcock Truffaut, which has developed a cult-like status among movie nerds and aspiring filmmakers it was later made into a documentary film i got that book i have it but i have it too uh i got it in college tomas who once voluntarily read 200 back issues of american cinematographer uh, american cinematographer magazine is of course a fan of this incredibly microscopic look at the art of filmmaking and i would put money on it being one of his favorite books hitchcock Truffaut was the inspiration for jojo by maroder an auditory biography of one of disco's most influential producers 
uh, said Tomas, it's both an homage and a metaphor for music, creation, and freedom in general. This track, the way we did it, is as much about uh, him as it is, or it's as much about him as an artist, but also about uh, any art that has a 50 year long career whose art is like life. The great thing with Giorgio is that his career spans so many different styles. It was pretty symbolic to have. Um, uh, it was also pretty symbolic to have these two godfathers of dance music with Giorgio and Nile on the record. Also, have his, having a 72-year-old man that speaks about like, oh, I did techno music. It was a really long time ago. It's ironic and fun way to put in perspective what is modernity today and what is electronic music. Tomasi Guimon had Giorgio sit down in the studio uh, at this point, we all know the story about the three microphones. And he talked. Neil Brennan special. The Neil Brennan special. Uh, yes, the, yes, the Neil Brennan special three microphones. <laughs> he he sat down in the the studio and he just talked about his career for three hours. So the the musicality of anything is just that was what how they mixed it or they he he but talked. That's very cool the way they like yes. when his voice starts to like move to the click and you know that music is coming is that's one of the most compelling yeah. parts. Yeah, so song. that that's either that was just either just the rhythm of his voice in that moment or they they mixed it in some way to make it look. But they he just sat in a in a room and talked about his life for three hours. Um, they intentionally they uh, Tomas loves Hitchcock Truffaut. And they got obsessed with this idea about making an auditory biography. This this guy helped elevate disco. He elevated the synthesizer. He he is the foundation for so much of what our career has become. What if we told the story of his career through the music of uh, like the the music that we have made? Uh, uh, a big chunk of this. So we learned in the first episode about the arpe that arpeggio came from one of the very, very first recording sessions that they did. A big chunk of this, and I think I couldn't tell, but I think it's that break right after the click track part. Uh, no, that's the arpeggio. What? Yeah. Uh, that's the arpeggio. Uh, a, a big chunk of this was a demo that they had been sitting on for a really long time. Oh, yeah? That after, like, that they always had said, like, that's like a Giorgio track. And then they had mixed that thing that they had been sitting on uh, um, for a long time uh, into this uh, this piece. Um, this is a quote from an incredible Q&A that Dazed and Confused magazine conducted with Tomas Guimon and Giorgio together. Uh, if you've never read this, uh, uh, it's one of the most laid back, fun interviews I've ever seen with the boys. Highly recommend you go check out the whole thing. Uh it, the interview asks uh, why Giorgio wasn't mentioned in the homework track teachers. It's like, like you love Giorgio. Yeah. Why wouldn't, why isn't he in teachers? Tomas goes, because the syllable count in his name wasn't correct. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> and they go, uh, Giorgio, Giorgio responds to that. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> That's very funny. I love these guys. I love these legendary guys yeah. who are so famous that Daft Punk does yeah. not really register yeah. to them. Until the, you know they find a respect for it in the process. Yeah. But like George, like Giorgio Moroder, if 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 he were like, hey, um, Britney Spears wants you to put out, he'd be like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm actually, I have to take a bath. Yeah. Like, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. very Giorgio, funny. I don't know what you're talking Giorgio, about. Giorgio, Giorgio's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. In in the middle of this Q and A, Tomas is like, uh, you know, like 20 years ago, we wrote a song about uh, our uh, like our major house and techno influencers, and like <laughs> we put a bunch of our heroes' names in it. And then he goes, 
we didn't include Giorgio because we wanted to make a song about him 20 years later. <laughs> Which is maybe the funniest thing I've yeah. ever heard Tomas say. That's incredibly yeah. funny. <laughs> uh, like, Gimon is the Joker of the two. I think we can all agree. Yeah. That's a yeah. really incredible. Tomas is the Riddler. He's the, the Riddler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's an incredibly funny thing that's for him to say. Funny. I am obsessed with the idea of an auditory biography of a song, of a, of a telling the idea of a, a person's life, a hero's life through song without lyrics. I love, I love this idea. I love this track. What I am interested in about this is that there is a long lineage of people critically respecting things like jazz or uh, big band music or classical music or whatever. Disco is such a punchline to so yeah. many people because it's at this weird time where like you got to watch it destroyed with disco demolition night and stuff that people do not treat it like it deserves uh like archiving and, yeah, and historians yeah. and like it's a very important thing it is if you go out to a a dance club anywhere in the world you're it's because of disco yeah but if if it's not treated with the same reverence as other genres yeah. of music. And this is an instance of like, Hey, we are going to use our high profile stuff to say to, to, I guess, legitimize disco Think about the way that we revere the early days of rock and roll. Yeah. And it, and it's influence on popular culture. The, I would argue talk about the Beatles. And yeah. Stuff. I would argue or, or, and you now, know, talking about like well, the Stooges well, and punk rock and yeah, stuff. I mean, yeah. it's like, yeah. it, it is like, That's holy like ground, a different right? like yeah. subset, right? Like, the, yeah. Punk rock is a different, like, Different thing. I like. I mean, as a global impact on pop culture in the world, we talk about rock and roll and how it changed the way that we listen to music. Yes. But now, look at what. L- listen to what music is now. Every single song is a four yes. on the floor beat. Every like, hit listen, song yes. is a dance song. People said disco's dead. Disco is the foundation of almost everything you hear in music now. Aside from hip hop, yeah, aside but from hip hop, a lot of but but, no, but hip hop yes, samples hip-hop, disco, you know. Yes, so it's like hip hop came. It might, yes, yeah. At one at a certain point, sonically, so, it does not sound like disco yeah. anymore. But it would not exist. Without yes, it disco. would not exist without disco. There were there were two major major musical movements in the early to mid eighties. Uh, that are still the last like big, big, from, huge. From Nile Rodgers, it's either the Sugar Hill Gang or Madonna or Frankie Knuckles. Frankie Knuckles. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, and uh, so yeah, Sugar Hill Gang or Frankie Knuckles, and we're still watching the impact of that. And that's all born out of disco. I would argue that disco's influence on popular culture at this point, no matter how much we as a as a society want to give it credit, is is more influential and more important. Than rock and roll. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, what, when you turn on the radio right now, and I'm, I, I want to preface this by saying I'm a guy who spends a lot of fucking time thinking about guitar garbage and, and rock and roll stuff. Guitar bitch. a big part of my life. Guitar bitch. God, half of your job is combining <laughs> words Devin says. <laughs> guitar bitch yeah. is a good one. Yeah. That yeah. is good. Yeah, dude. Uh, uh, there's, if you put on the radio, there's not a lot of shit on the radio that, that sounds like yeah. You can hear the Rolling yeah. Stones in that. It's just fucking Greta Van Fleet. That's, <laughs> yeah. it. That's the only one left. <laughs> it's the only We're one. We're gonna get left. ourselves in hot water for some of these takes. 
I don't think so. Yeah, what? Uh, who cares? Like, okay, if you're out there and you th- you would think we're disrespecting rock and roll, e- in- email us at info at alive twenty twenty one. Also, I'm I'm we're much more <laughs> punk rock than you. <laughs> <laughs> don't talk to me about my life. Don't talk to me about my life. <laughs> I'm, uh, I don't know you, but I'm more punk rock than you. <laughs> I I I went through punk rock so yeah. that I could talk about disco. Oh man, uh, this is this is Tomas's quote from O Magazine. We met uh, we met Giorgio several years ago he has always been a sort of mythical figure for us a little mysterious his personal journey follows that of music this track is a metaphor for musical freedom we've always tried to break down the barriers between musical genres between good and bad taste between hip and non-hip Giorgio is a bit of a model he was born in a small provincial town began to play music in hotel lounges open for Johnny Halliday Began to do progressive rock stuff. To hear him, to hear him at seventy-two say, "Ah, uh, yeah, I made him electronic music forty years ago." It's fascinating, <laughs> <laughs> and it is. That's it absolutely funny. is. Um, so there, yes. So they, there is a three-hour version of this conversation somewhere. The whole thing has never been released. The whole three hours has never been released, but. In that deluxe edition box set of the Ram vinyl that's like almost $400, there's a 10-inch of an extended bit of the interview. Oh, that's A cool. whole 10-inch bit that is just a big, huge chunk of that interview. Uh, and I would love to hear that. He survives disco. Yeah. You know, like, like Giorgio Moroder, like he does flash dance. He does uh, Berlin's Take My Breath Away. Yeah. That's in 1986. Yeah. So like he he survives that yeah, that, so, that, that that implosion. We, we've or whatever. talked about it. We've talked about it before. The death of disco happened here in America. Yeah. It did not happen elsewhere. But I mean, his he he survived the end of the disco sound because yeah. those songs like "Take My Breath Away" from from fucking Top Gun. Take my yeah. breath oh, yeah. away. That's not a disco track. His career survived the end of that sound. Yeah. Even though he, like, it's not like he really participated in the years I mean, of yeah. techno well because he also i mean no. like so you're 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 on like 83 83 scarface right yeah. so he does exactly he does scar so he he diversifies at a time that he yeah. you know and 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 uh, you know he made the midnight right Cowboy, decisions or midnight express, express. Midnight express. Is, uh, that's 1980 so that's right yeah. there right on the so, cusp yeah and then he really leans into that so they, yeah i mean he because w- he wins uh, never ending stories not for a few years after yeah that either. so they, i mean he gets into film at the right time yeah. for his career trajectory to be able to you know he wins he wins he wins some some big awards there in that song i mean the chase wins yeah. uh uh there's some some other stuff in yeah. there that wins a bunch um, of stuff too so the the days and Confuse interviewer asked them what are you, what are the main things that you were inspired from giorgio by midnight express and specifically the song chase but then they also mentioned the scarface soundtrack and all of his donna summer stuff those are like the main figure these are two guys who have always had this very powerful relationship between music and film they score films you gotta watch oz the bait you gotta watch oz the great and powerful like (laughs) the fact that they brought two film composers on to do this record after they just did a film yeah themselves absolutely it's it's all one thing um uh, in the interview, also Giorgio asks Tomas. Uh, he want he says, "I want a I want a copy of the full three hours uh, in case I ever write a book about myself." <laughs> He's he also says he wishes he knew what they were going to do with the with the audio 
beforehand because he says um, there's a couple like grammatical errors he makes in the stuff that they ended up using that he's like I would have maybe been more co- cognizant of that but I think it sounds that, real that would and be true terrible. yeah I think it sounds great um, I don't not, know if they knew what they were gonna do I don't know you know what I mean they, yeah they like so they they specifically told him we don't want you involved in the composition of the track. And I think now, now having researched it and I always thought that that was a little weird because that's like one of their heroes. Why wouldn't they want to work with them in that capacity? But it's a biography. And the idea is a biography. The idea being they did work with him. He just didn't directly work. You know what I mean? That's, that's the mentality. I said on the last thing, everyone has heard him play a synthesizer. No one's heard him speak. Yes. Nobody's heard him speak. And, and uh, that was I think, the first time I spoke, that this, is what I'm saying. That it's true, truly in <laughs> in work of the the song and the idea of the song for them to write a song inspired by Giorgio, yeah. then for him to work with them. That is in in, 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 in with the the theme of the song. So it makes so much more sense now. Yeah. Niall was it with them when this all happened. So he was just wa- sitting around listening to this, which I bet would have been really fun. Uh, and then in the review of Ram from Q Magazine, they say the composition transitions from electro into pure disco, into vast orchestral beauty, into a blizzard of syndrome uh, s- syndromes, uh, and and builds until it reaches a conventional house music beat, which I thought there's that was a just, jazz fusion yeah, there's, section of that. Yeah, yeah. There's a very jazz, like I said, like, yeah. like 70s. They jazz. build, you know, they they build it from when he started it being introduced to music in the. 40s and and there's now elements of his influences from the 50s and to him figuring shit out in the 60s and to exploding in the 70s like it is truly a a journey through his incredible and long career in music uh it's beautiful that this was not a single but it still charted in four countries mostly because like they're you know at this point they're still trying to figure out what digital stuff it's is like a yeah. musical version to me of the evolution of dance video, video. on YouTube. <laughs> I mean, that's not but too far off. goes with all the styles. Yeah. It is, this is the evolution to, of Giorgio. The evolution of dance, to me, is, is Giorgio this, yeah. by Marauder. <laughs> to me, the evolution of dance dance video guy is, is Giorgio. Giorgio he's my Giorgio. He's, yeah, he's Giorgio to the, the me. Evolu- the evolution of dance guy is my Giorgio. <laughs> to Daft Punk, Giorgio Marauder is the evolution of dance guy to uh, me. We, as, as now as podcasters we have to do an auditory biography for fucking mark Marin or some shit you're gonna say the evolution of dance guy (laughs) we have to do an auditory we gotta do uh we gotta do a we gotta do a podcast biography of jimmy pardo or some shit because now we're podcasters scott by ackerman (laughs) (laughs) next track let's just hit it right from the beginning within
man, that's one of my favorite parts that's of the entire good. album. Chili would be mad if I called yeah. it the Kingdom Hearts 2 part of the record. Right? <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it's a little bit of the Kingdom Hearts 2 part it of the really record. It really is. And so that's uh, knowing that uh, Chili Gonzalez recorded for a day uh, is wild to yeah. me. Because again, like, like one of the things that I love about that part are there. there you know, if you listen close, there are a couple notes that you know you, you know that are, that you can hear humanity in it, right? Yeah. It, it has a human element that, especially through the framework we've talked about of electronic music, you do not hear that human element in keys in electronic music. Yeah. You just don't. But That's, you can hear a man at a piano, yeah. and you know, heartbreak. You That's can a great- hear it. You can feel it. The, the the actual song's great too. Yeah, the actual um, song's great. Um, that that's that's kind of this interlude into into the song. We talked we talked last week in the collaborators episode about how that that intro to this song is kind of an inventive way to. He's to a take, chill aberrator. A chill chill aberrator. Now I get to do way. it for your dumb shit or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, like an inventive way to take a key change from the first three songs into into within. Uh, and then, yeah, and then this is another great, uh, just a great soothing track. Daft Punk always throws one of these, one of these like something about us or uh, or make love or what, like a sm- soft kind of pretty, almost yeah. romantic song on, I, on the record. This I, is that for the here. I'll have to think about it as we get into the the last kind of leg of what we're doing here with the show. But like, I think even even how beautiful this is and the key change and and sonically what it is. I think "Make Love" might be my favorite of that kind of yeah. track they do. I don't know why. But yeah, just, I do love resonates. "Make Love." I mean, it's such it is such a good song. It is. It is def- yeah. You're absolutely right that it is a type of track they do. Yeah, it's a something about us and "Make Love," and I I don't know why "Make Love" resonates. With yeah, them. some pe- that one. It's interesting, like following Daft Punk groups and stuff. That one hits really hard in a way, like like something about us is this like ubiquitous thing. Like Daft Punk fans are like, I use that for my wedding song and stuff. Make love was when I was surprised when I got into those groups. Yeah, something about us doesn't resonate yeah. with me. This one does. I love yeah, this. This is one. a great song. Great, very beautiful, great song. In O Magazine, Tomas says uh, uh, Chili is a friend and a great pianist, one of the best musicians of his generation. Within is one of the first tracks we recorded. It's very minimal, a little rhythm section, a bass, a piano, creating the essential with very little. That's the idea. I know yeah. it's chili with a Y, but it's very funny to be like, this is my friend Chili. Chili. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> this is my friend Coney Dog. Chili. This like. is my friend Chili. Yeah, C-H-I-L-I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dumb as hell. He got that because he got real sick eating heavy soup. <laughs> yeah, he got he got greasy diarrhea from a chili, uh, um Chili Gonzalez, uh, this is him talking about his experience playing piano, uh, specifically on Within. I felt like an actor doing a walk-on in a blockbuster movie. In my fantasy, my contribution in that song is like that Christopher Walken scene in Pulp Fiction with the watch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is an incredible way to think about this soft, beautiful – the soft, beautiful uh, song on, in the middle of this uh, huge record. He's like, yeah, that that's like Christopher Walken sticking a watch up his ass. (laughs) Yeah, I I, – this this is one of one of the songs I really love. When I listen through this al- to this album, or when I think about this album, um, Within is not a highlight for me. But every time I listen to it, I'm like, God damn, yeah. I love Within, and uh, like, I love it so much. Um, you know, as techno guys, you don't, or you know, house music guys, you don't ever, you don't really think about uh, this electronic music in terms of like sequencing an album. But we've mentioned it before. Daft Punk is just a master of sequencing albums, 
and after after Giorgio by Maroder, after this triumphant, like big huge thing to take the take the um mood down and just softly kind of cushion you from that and fall specifically of to go Marotta. from it's just great to go from the it's just absolutely um, fantastic to go from the longest track on the album to the shortest track on the album yeah, as well by Marauder is an incredible journey but it's exhausting yes you know that <laughs> yeah. it goes a lot of places it's a lot of shit yeah. and after like there i've listened to this album full through a few times and after Giorgio by Marauder, sometimes I just want to like flip it off. Yeah, something just else take a break. So much shit going on. I listened on to this motherfucker that. twice today. Yeah, this, this you need this song yeah, on the album, or yeah. else like that people you would turn it off. Yeah, after they Giorgio are. By I mean, they are they are master Giorgio by Marauder is a cl- that could be a closer. Yeah, that it is like its own could thing. Be a closer. Yeah. And and it's, it's there's an, like three there's like three songs on this record that could have been a closer. Well, I mean, for for me, tracks one through four are are or a chunk you know i feel like yeah. instant crush crush you know that we'll get into instant crush but i think these first four tracks for me feel like you know a ch- like chapter one or whatever or part one of this album i you know i think everything goes together very well or whatever but uh, from give life to to within feels like the completion sure. of, of the first idea yeah. here um and, and again i think there's a brilliance in it, it, not fading out and starting within. There's a brilliance yeah. in yeah. going to the and then having the piano come up or whatever yeah. at the end. It because it, it is. It, it Giorgio by Marauder asks a lot. I mean, it really does I, ask when a I, lot. When I've walked around listening to this, where just yeah. I'm, I'm not like driving or watching something else. I'm just listening to it. After Giorgio by Marauder, I'm, I'm sometimes like, I might flip this off. Yeah, and get something there's else. this yeah. giant triumphant crash. Three songs into this album. And then it boils down into like this weird fuzzy, and you get just the baseline yeah. at the end of that song, and it's like, whoa, that was a journey, and uh, and then you just like softly envelop the audience yeah. with this boom, it's great. boom, 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 no notes, great song, no, no notes. notes, except for all no, the no notes skip. except for the four hours we're about to spend <laughs> talking about this album, <laughs> uh, no notes except for uh, talking about this album Someone for longer than we put were us talking. down after this. <laughs> I know what. A, what am I gonna talk about? I should after take this? us out back. And... Somebody, yeah, I'm. I'm actually legally not allowed to talk about Daft Punk once we finish this. Yeah. <laughs> Contractually obligated <laughs> to never mention this band again. Ah, oh, jeez. I'm. We're gonna. I. We gotta do the math, but like the the length of this. We actually do not have to do the we, math. We gotta do the math. <laughs> once don't. once we get to the end I'll of it, I have a final count ready. For... Is it gonna be like two two whole? calendar days i'll get you that final count on the just uh, on, 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 on episode 21 i will have the exact moment up until just uh, on we finish. yeah i'm um, in the bathroom during that part i don't want to know <laughs> uh all right we are moving along track five instant crush <laughs> Julian, in my opinion, the bass is the star. Of that. Absolutely, even Absolutely. though the relationship of the song is between him and the synth, it is the bass underneath it that's making that happen. Absolutely. Um, 
So, interestingly, we all know the, the giant globally phenomenon smash out breakout hit of this record. We know the song of the summer. Get lucky. Motherboard? Yep. Motherboard. <laughs> this song has 340 million plays on Spotify. Yeah. Which is more than Get Lucky. Oh, really? This oh. is the most played song off Spotify on this record. This like I bet the algorithm really Yeah, I would bet this, you this, I would yes. bet you that this shows up on a vast swath this is, of different playlists. This and is different, the poppiest auto feeds or this whatever. This is the poppiest. This is the the most packaged single. When you talk to when you're in like the Daft Punk groups, you talk to like younger fans of Daft Punk, like teen like People who are teenagers right now that like Daft Punk, this was their entry point. Yeah. This is their favorite Daft Punk song. This like this song has stood the test of time over the last eight years. Like this is this is this, the one. So this song and this video were the ones on on my radar um, that I remember most prominently uh, at the time. Uh, You're a big fan of the Strokes. I do yeah. like the Strokes a lot. Um, here's an unpopular opinion, and I want you all to take this with a grain of salt because I I, I like every song in this album a lot. This is my least favorite song on the album. Uh, and, and, wow. and ironically, it was, at a time, the only song on the album I, I, I cared about. Um, I, I think... It, yeah, I mean, it's it's like uh, it's like an '80s synth pop, right? And it feels this for me. This track we we've we've brushed on it a few times. This one feels like a single. It really it yeah. feels like a single. And I'm not saying it's out of place in the album. Um, I'm saying part one tracks one through four for me. Part two tracks five through eight for me. Um, I, I don't know. This 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 is a it's a it's a good song. I very vehemently remember the video. I I I, I don't turn this song off when it comes on. Uh, but you know, it's just for me. It's it's you know, it doesn't compare to the rest of the album for me. I Blasphemy, like, you're dead to me. <laughs> right. I like this tune as a bait and switch because when it yeah. starts, it is that. If you're not a fan of like. Yeah. Like the house thing. Yeah. It starts with this kind of just driving, boring rock beat which was the backbone of a lot of music I liked for a long time. Yeah. And if you're not a dance music fan and you, you know, you tune into this and it has that kind of straightforward right. hi-hat thing, you're like, all right, I'm interested. And as a dance music fan, I don't find that compelling at all. At the beginning of the song, I'm like, whatever. Yeah. And then it breaks into that into, like bass yeah. groove. And I'm like, I'm not, I, I like him as a vocalist and I, I like what he does on this song, but I'm not incredibly compelled by it. But the fact that it breaks into that boom, yeah. boom, boom, this it just like kind of grooves for a while and then goes back to this like boring driving verse and then takes another break to yeah. get into that weird funk shit. It's this very song interesting. Is definitely a grower, not yeah. a shower. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, um, like to who you know, because other people. Yeah. This. Like, I mean, this to is us, yeah. This to, is, to, to me, like to me, you are exactly right. Like. It presents itself as like a straight up single, and it and it shows itself as just a like a very traditional like radio tune. Yeah. But as you like as you listen to it and as you, you let it open up more, that it does get into some like a couple like serious grooves. I mean, if you are not a yeah. Daft Punk fan, yeah. this is not a grower. This is the this thing. Is the this show is the This is, this is yeah, the I show mean, because this 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 is the, the one. You know, I know head. I know we talk about like doing it right. Really, yeah, crossover hit. Yeah. yeah, doing it right really sounds like 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 Panda Bear noises. Yeah. right. This really 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 yeah. sounds like a Stroke song. Interesting. Which is Let what me, I uh, like about interesting. it. Interesting. Let's yeah. let's talk about it for a second. Right. This is Tomas in O Magazine. We're both super fans of the Strokes. Yeah. And we found out that we had that he wanted to meet us. 
we had this demo lying around. He came, he listened to it, and he was in full swing. He has some kind of gift. We basically love rock uh, and the concept of the rock band, but there was so... <laughs> Who the fuck talks like that? I'll run him over we, with my car. Uh, we love the concept of the rock band. We love rock and roll and the concept of the rock band. There's so mu- uh, there was so much going on that it was difficult for a new voice to emerge at one point. Recently, the Strokes and MGMT uh, MGMT with different dimensions and seven, uh, sensitivities have achieved this. Tomas Ju- said he loves MGMT? Yeah. That's very cool. That's yeah. cool. Uh, Julian, uh, with a punk rock side, a super strong emotional reach in his melodies, it was important to have it on this album to feel surrounded by our contemporaries. This was a demo they had lying around, and they said, what do you think of this? And he just started singing. I like rock... And I like the, the concept, like, platonic ideal of a rock band. Um, this this is one of the most interesting things I found in researching because, like the robots themselves, Julian Casablancas is very soft spoken in interview adverse. You barely ever hear him talking about right. it. Uh, I found an incredible clip uh, about uh, the creation of this song. Just want to take a moment to to dive into the <laughs> level of research that I've been doing in the last almost five months. I found this clip 21 minutes into a 26-minute interview about the latest Strokes album. Uh, I, 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 I need a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's hear it. I need a break from this show. This is Julian Casablanca talking about Instant Crush. You know, funny thing, um, they, they told me the whole scene that they wanted, the whole story, and they had like this kind of picture of this like, uh, uh, like summer crush. I was kind of based on their story. I was like, "You sure you don't want to call it Summer Crush?" Because it's like it was like, um, uh, yeah, like meeting a girl when you're like a kid in some place, but you're like kind of with your parents, and some magic happens, and it's like, but you kind of never see her again, and it was just like some moment in time that you'll never forget or something. Anyway, they were describing it better and more French, um, <laughs> more I don't know, nostalgic, romantic, or whatever. But yeah, so I wrote down the specific lyrics that, which is a good exercise in like showing you the mystery and trying to make lyrics work because it, 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 it clearly did that, but it just didn't work. It just didn't like, it was just somehow just flat. Mm. And so then I just, we did the opposite and we just basically, I sang a bunch, I just made, I just made stuff up and, uh, you know, and then whatever just sounded good kind of became lyrics and that actually weirdly gave that feeling more than the ones that were like specifically like I saw you on that beach that one summer day you know or whatever it was like a grease song <laughs> well I wouldn't go that far but I mean that, that no that's kind of the vibe though they got the guy what is it Paul Williams yeah Paul Williams he actually yeah. wrote lyrics for it at first mm. and I kind of and I had those and I was kind of working I had my own I had like my own version that was the story and then I kind of mixed some of his because I was trying to just you know I wanted to, you know, collab and, and be down or whatever, but it just didn't, it was, yeah, it felt kind of like that, like, you know, those, like, professional lyrics yeah, that yeah. make total sense and kind of hit it on the head, but that artistically kind of don't have the same magic inspiratu power. Wow. So Paul Williams wrote a Grease-style song about a young kid meeting a, uh, a girl on the beach and never, uh, never finding her again. That's... 
and then and then <laughs> I can hear his I can hear him wearing a leather jacket. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can just he his per, his yeah. identity is a yeah. leather jacket. What's crazy? Like, so I would be interested to know. Did they work with Panda Bear before or after this? After this, right? After. Uh, pa- yes. So Panda, that's yeah. that's interesting because it sounds like what they did with Julian Casablancas ends up being what they did yeah. with Panda Bear yeah. of just so, fun, just do it. Paul Williams took a pass at the lyrics to this. Yeah. Julian Casablancas took that, uh, reworked them into something, and then they ditched all of it. And he just freestyled. I truly believe that nothing good musically happens by design you yeah. have to jam yeah you have to yeah. like let's get in the room and figure something out because if you if you're like i need you yeah. to and that's the- not to say don't show up prepared right yeah, that's bring, uh, that's that's to say bring stuff you're willing to but even bring even, stuff that can be malleable yeah, in if your you brain bring, even if even if being prepared being prepared is always like i have a riff yeah and, and also the it. idea of like defending your dissertation defend what you've created yeah. take yeah. on a challenge with collaborators and say you know this is why this is better than that i think is yeah. uh you know you like, know that you makes with, it strong you show up with an idea and you work on it there's i i just i don't think there is a a way to create this kind of stuff where you're like you bring it and then we'll yeah. you know what i mean right um Casablanca's also played guitar on the song He's the only daft, non-Daft Punk voice on the album that's digitally altered, putting him in league with only Romanthony for yeah. one more time. Yeah. They've o- they only vocorded two people uh, other than themselves in the history of the band. It's compelling to throw auto-tune on someone who doesn't need it. Yeah. You know? Yes. Romanthony's a guy who has a lot of soul in his voice. Yeah. You don't need to do I that. I mean, Same you, with him. you yeah. need it to, you know, that's... a. You mentioned it. It's often, uh, you know, these vocal effects are often gimmicks. And yeah. to make them decidedly be not gimmicky it needs to be on either the robots as themselves or people who it is well known is not it is not needed we we talked we were talking about in our group chat this week we there are not there aren't any female vocalists on any of daft punk's work and that is something i've been thinking about a lot because so many house artists now have this like really big breathy female voice over a lot of tracks or historically more of the diva stuff and sample stuff I think Daft Punk uses autotune as like the way you use like mix gel compression. Yeah. Where you're like, it's like, we're going to take this and like really make it a part of the mix with it, like blends it into the song yeah. in a very different way. They are like, much more interesting. Panda Bear is very synthetic yes, in his vocal stuff. They are incredible. They, they don't like the. The construction of the lyrics don't, doesn't mean much, right? They We just heard that they threw away lyrics and, and freestyled this song, one of their biggest hits ever. Um, they, they, as a group, are in, only interested in vocals as a, another layer of instrumentation. That's why they're so tied to the vocoder. That's why their lyrics are so stripped down I, I and mean, simple. They like uh, singing and voice on their songs, like almost like Sigur Rós or something like that. Yeah, the it singing, still is the, vo- the lead of yeah. the song, right? But it's an instrumentation, more much. But more it is because yeah. there are a lot of songs, a lot of these dance tracks, where it feels like the vocals soar over the top of it. Yeah, this feels very integrated, but not in the way of like we are going to chop up one right. phrase and repeat right. it. In the way though, like so in the collaborators, you know, one of the things that Paul Williams mentioned is, you know, we didn't necessarily nail all of the details about who and what and why, but we we nailed the emotions. And yeah. I think the way that he talks about that emphasis, I don't think the lyrics are as much of a 
I, I don't think they're a th- they're not throwaway, and I don't think that's, that's what you're saying, what saying at all. No. I think that what you're saying is but they, the they lyrics convey, are made to serve the emotion, not to serve the, con- the, right. the definition. They, they right? convey the song through through the instrumentation of vocals, yeah. as opposed to the words. Right, themselves. but I also that's think like I mean. like being able to you know like that, that even the you know the refrain of of and we'll never be alone again. Like that's that is. That describes the the, the yeah. summer camp moment or whatever that feeling, knowing that feeling or whatever of being in a place with yeah. your parents, like he described there. That and we'll never be alone again. That you know that that. So it's not interested in show. Yeah, like the the lyrics are not. It's not interested in showing off the lyrics. Right, I agree. They are in service of of the feeling. Yeah. Either, either the song or the feeling. Because sometimes this it can is, be disparate. This is a song, I've heard this song. I don't know how many hundreds of times. Yes. I don't know all the words to this. I yeah. cannot. I can't. Like I know. I know. I don't know the, all of the, the words to this song. No matter how many times I've heard, it's like radio. I, I'm. A, you and I are both writers by yeah. trade. I. I can't. I don't. I don't. I can't remember lyrics. Yeah. I, my favorite bands. I don't remember the lyrics. I uh yeah, like I write for bands, a living. Yeah. I just it doesn't I register never... with me. I like when I listen to music, that's what I focus on. Yeah, and I tr- truly some of my favorite bands ever. I, I, I it just blows over. I me. cannot internalize all of the lyrics to this. I can't internalize the lyrics to Radiohead. There's yeah, there's just some that it, like the it doesn't matter. It's how it's how it builds into the music. I've instead. like compartmentalized those yeah. two parts of my creative throughput. Tomas said uh, Julian wanted to get out of his rocker character of the Strokes uh, to try his hand at a more robotic and funky universe. So, it, like, the um, the vocoder on his voice was partly his idea. Uh, Victor Wu did the artwork for the whole album. He directed the video. Tony Gardner of Alterion had one final chance to work with the robots. So they brought – they uh, um, – just like uh, Todd Edwards and DJ Falcon, they got another old friend back in here for one last go around. He designed the mannequins that melt together into a pile of goop at the end of the video. That's their whole career is a couple of mannequins melting together. <laughs> like uh, technologic and human after yeah. on electroma and the whole fucking thing. It's this one, is the, one loud big thing. <laughs> it's just one loud big thing. I love one loud big thing. Um, this is the fourth single from the record. It's in in the moment. It's kind of a moderate hit. It charted in eleven countries. Um, it might be the first. I I don't know. I don't know for sure, but it might be the first Daft Punk song to chart in Slovakia. It reached number twenty on the dance on the U.S. dance chart and top ten in Australia, in Belgium, France, and South Korea. So it was like a moderate hit. They're nowhere near the the level of Get Lucky, but but the numbers now, you know. It's it's really grown. That is wild. Yeah, Julian's dad founded Elite Model Agency. Weird. The like the big modeling agency. Yep. Weird. I did not know that. That's I'm not. I was not a Strokes guy. I didn't not because I didn't like them. Just they were a group that like yeah. missed me. I it was one I had not spent time with, and that was one thing I always knew about him that I saw. I you know I was up too late in high school on a school night couldn't sleep watching late night MTV and that uh that video for uh the is the sit song what's the last night of mm-hmm. is this and I watched that and I was like oh my god is this it was one of my favorite albums in high school so good and I never I never kept up with the strokes but I love that album still to this day there is a cover of instant crush that was the lead single off the 2015 Natalie Imbruglia record, Male. 
What does that mean? <laughs> have, you, have you ever heard it? <laughs> no. Who's Natalie Ambruglia? Torn. Right. I'm a lot of faith. Right. She this made an album two years after Daft Punk and made the lead single a cover. Her, of the, the lead single uh, from her 2015 album, uh, Mail, is Instant Crush. Um, and yeah, let's uh, let's hear a second of it. Why not? Pretty cool. Daft Punk yeah. did it better. Daft Punk did it better. I mean, well, so so here's the the issue. They're all and, good. I mean, but here's here's <laughs> the thing right here, right? You you can hear the string section come in. Yeah. You can hear this try to be a big recording, but it sounds more empty than the original or whatever, and that's a testament to the success of Ram and the yeah. accomplishments of Ram. Um, it yeah. sounds flatter to me, especially I'm you know I'm in my my studio monitors right now, so everything's super clear to me. Um, that. Even that little snippet just sounds flat in comparison. I mean, there's always going to be, you're going to get Hey Ya, and then you're going to get the coffee shop yeah. version of Hey Ya. Right. There's Absolutely. always going to be like a, like, and this is to play at Starbucks. Did I, right. Did I mention the, the Tomas quote on the show where he specifically mentioned Hey Ya? No. No? So uh, 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 I, I guess I took it out of one of the scripts. He, They were talking about, why it was so important to use live instrumentation and how alive and rich it feels versus some of the their like uh um you know programmed beats or whatever and he was like you know like you can just hear the difference like like that um that song like hey yeah hey yeah that one that's all over the radio you just feel how alive that song is i was like he's like that's one of my fa- most favorite Speaker songs Box, love below yeah. is one of the greatest records yeah. of it all really time is. yeah uh, I second that. Um, he, like, like both individually. Yeah. That's very cool. That he, he, hit, he hit that one, like, just like, he was like, in in the, the current music industry, listen to that song versus other things coming out and how rich and full it feels. I could, we're, we're not gonna, but I could do this show about the Outcast records. Yeah. I've spent a lot of time. Yeah. I saw Outcast their reunion the tour. In the land, of, uh, land of a million drums from Scooby-Doo, man. I yeah yeah <laughs> that was a, the that that's was a far uh, alley. lover Bo- uh, uh, that that double album yeah. that was the only one I ever owned and I, I own I played bunch, the shit out of I it. own a bunch of that I own a lot I, of yeah. their vinyl I love that group track six lose yourself to dance lose yourself to dance. Yeah, that so so um, I mentioned earlier uh, at the the game of love uh, vocoder part. Um, 
the second part the, there's the part at the end of this song where there's the come on come on's there's the yes and then there's the everybody on the floor when they strip down the drums to yeah. just the yeah. clap um that is one of my favorite moments in all of music let yeah. alone just this yeah. album uh it is so beautiful this and is- it's it's one of those ones that I, again i don't think about much and then when i hear it i'm like oh man this is an amazing chunk of music this is one of the most effective uses that they've had of you uh we've talked a lot about the movement of their songs yeah and the the doppler effect of something feeling like it's rotating around you yeah it's this song and it's around the world because listen listen like put good headphones on and listen to the way that like come on come on come on come on come it never goes away even at it's so quiet in the background and it comes back and it comes back and it, it is so cool. It's like the entire song is rotating around you. I, it's just it's just fascinating. So and, and in the um, the the video that that features uh, the robots yeah. and uh, and Nile, <laughs> it's it's got the carousel look yeah. to it. It's almost you know the platform is that is, is, is loosely it loosely resembles to me around the world that song uh, that video very similar that video is basically a love letter to doing cocaine at Studio Fifty Four. Yeah, no, it really is. It's but, amazing. But it's I mean it is it is it is there like the it's circular amazing. motion yeah. of it is built into the imagery. Yeah. I wish this song had a little bit more interplay between the bass and the guitar yeah. because what they like about chic is the is, is a lot of the bass stuff and this is a song where niles guitar is the star of the song yeah like the vocoder is cool and pharrell's cool but the the guitar riff is what's driving it which is really funny because we we mentioned it last time we had we played that one clip of nile in the interviewing like yeah play the song of the summer and he played and he, this. He played two two snippets of this yeah. before he realized what the guy meant was to get yeah. lucky. And like th- this is a, gr- I really like this song, but I truly feel like Niall's relationship with Bernard in Chic is what the sound is. And like all the big tunes, yeah, that he put out, he brought him out. And I know that he passed away. And the song has good bass on it, but like the baseline is the the star of around the world. Oh yeah. And in this song, the star of the song is Nile, but I wish it had like some really fucking yeah. nuts bass stuff going That's on true. underneath it. Yeah. I do, but I this is this is one of my favorite tracks this, on the record. It's crazy that this is a like this is such it just feels like such a discotheque song, yeah. right? Like yeah. you would go to a, a a discotheque in 1973 and just groove out to this. It's 100 BPM. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Like it's a hundred BPM. That is that is really on the cusp of a, the so low side of a dance track. We talk, but it's so it groovy. More into funk, yes, you know, yeah, which yes. is like, it, yeah, you know that this they've is, explored that with Duff Funk. This yeah, one, they play that down tempo yeah, stuff. Yeah, this totally. one feels like you know. Nile talked about in, in the collaborators again uh, this idea of writing. You know, for for. Um, uh, of writing a song that you can sing along with the first time you hear it. Right. And and yeah. you can dance to, and you know, the first time you hear it, this feels like an example of that again, which yeah. is the studio 54 mentality. Yeah. You know, this song, whether you've heard it or not, it starts playing, you know where it's going to go, you know what it's going to do. And it's still, it's compelling and surprising. Uh, but it does, it does, it does. It fills that void. Um, yeah. That's something I'm going to think about more. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a really interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, from O Magazine, Tomas says, This song is the simplest definition of our desire. A very elaborate yet very simple album at the same time with a bass, drum, guitar, and a robot axis. It is the reverse of something overproduced. Our fantasy was to make dance music again with drums. Recording it this way has given us enormous satisfaction. We are proud that it is real drums on the album and not a box. Uh, Pharrell, uh, you know, that like this song just over and over again in, in articles and everything was just like love this song specifically love letter to the seventies, love letter to disco Pharrell in interviews was like, I don't, I don't agree with that. He was like, I don't view this song as a disco song. I view this as a quintessentially 80s song. And in interviews, he said like, I can actually like close my eyes and see David Bowie singing this. So that's interesting that he but again, Niall let's dance. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. yeah. So yeah. it's the same thing. Yeah. It's what he's hearing. I mean, 70s. this is a Nile sound. Yeah. This is, yeah. this is quintessential yeah. Nile in, in that mentality. And that's why Pharrell can hear Bowie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, he and Niall have writing credits. It was the second single released August 13th, which, uh, you know, I, obviously I'd know, but I, I guess I never internalized, but Daft Punk really swung for the fences. Pharrell wise, like like singles one and two are the Pharrell songs yeah. off the record. They're just like they're. I, I think you're. I think Tomas has just a massive crush on Pharrell. Yeah, he absolutely yeah. does. <laughs> the other thing that I'm, they recognized what happened with the last studio record, and this album, if it would not we would not be lionizing it now the way yeah. we are. If they did not go to every newspaper and put every single fucking yeah. person, like, let's record yeah. all the people talking about it. Because if the every single person is talking theory. in time, yeah, it's the most professionally best recorded high yeah. fidelity shit. Everyone's like, yeah, it is. We yeah. heard that and we said, yeah, it is. Sonically, if you're not like, like really into this garbage, if you're a casual, <laughs> like, music, yeah. if you're a casual music fan and you heard this, you'd be like, yeah, it's some good cool song. grooves. Yeah. It's only for people who are fucking dorks about mics and yeah. stuff but, that recognize that it's incredible. Like, I think you're you right. You can hear that it's great. Yeah. But, but if why? you don't if you know, don't know it, why you or what, you're just like, yeah, it. it sounds great. It's because they went and did a gigantic round there, of press. I, think, I, I mean, honestly there think aren't that that's very important. many. Wait, I think that's an important point to mention again. Uh, we've we've told we've Guimane. talked about it before. Guiman said the biggest mistake of their career yeah. was saying the human after all speaks for themselves for itself and not not yeah. explaining yeah. that record. I mean that's at all. a that's a crash you down to earth this, moment. I'm this, sure for them of thinking the, we're we're the rollout the rollout of this album the the cycle the the interviews they gave the most in depth interviews of their career during this cycle. They gave the they did the most like long form. Uh, deep dive pieces uh, of their career during this cycle. They really wanted the world, the world to know how important this record was to yeah. them, and and that all helped shape what it is. If for you don't sure. go out and say, I, I, the the more I like get into this, if you don't explain to someone what's going on, yeah, like a regular person, like if I try and show someone something and I'm like, hey, what it, what sounds better, this or this. If you're not deep into this stuff, <laughs> right? It's the I don't know. What are you talking about? But it's also, the same. I mean, your even ears today, aren't right? trained to hear the today difference between these things. You today, have to explain it. Today we were one of the things we watched before we recording. We watched uh, Aphex Twin uh, from a performance, yeah. pendulum swinging a grand piano on stage, and talked about why it's cool because you know it slightly detunes the strings and it's you know a Doppler effect that you would never get in any other setting and all this yeah. stuff. And again, most people don't have the attention to care. It's like okay, cool, yeah. that person swung a piano. Why does it matter? Yeah. You know, but the idea of, you know, I don't want to pull too far back to human after all, but 
I bet you if they explained what they were trying to do and why yeah. that album gets a, a, a much better reception critically and then a critical better critical reception gives it a yeah. better outward reception because a lot of people just need to be told what to think or you're, whatever. You're, if you are a casual fan of music, you your ear you you do all this ear training to be a musician. Yeah. You learn to hear the difference between different compressors. Right. Yeah. And you can hear the different like attack and yeah. decay on yeah. a snare. A regular person doesn't. And yeah. like no. if you're gonna do something that you spend a lot of money and time on, yeah. you should give it a narrative in the press and explain it because that's yeah. a part I mean there recording, are, it's a big part of the There are it very out. few people who will sit down and listen to a Simeon mobile disco album and talk about it the way that right. we talk about yeah. it, right? I think that you're underestimating how many people out there talk and uh, talk and behave the way we do about I, this music? There are a, a lot. lot of people. There's a, there's there's a, a lot, lot. Of, and I'm sure a lot of freaks and dweebs. And but I, I could sure. not. I could not walk out into the street no, yes, and find one. No, they right, are yes. very. Yeah, and I'm sure that, like, the, you know, you guys who it's are listening, hard to find like, us. You guys yeah. who are listening, I'm sure you care yeah, at some level about the way that we're talking about this. But again, they're two hours into a to an episode. Uh, of us having we're probably a, listened we're to a, we're among friends we are you yeah. you you out there are among friends it is sometimes very difficult i went through it i found this music when i was 17 it took me a long time to find other people and connect with them about this stuff they're out there and if you're if you're feeling alone in your love of this music and you don't have people to talk to about it they're out there and if you continue to share your love of this stuff and spread dance music around the world, you will find your group of people and to like nerd out song, about this stuff. And like the song Teachers, if you just say all their yeah. names and talk about them a bunch, or if you put out a podcast <laughs> yeah. about them, yeah. it's like a beacon of... It's, it's a like a lighthouse. And yeah. Fine. Keep, um, yes. It, it we can talked be, about yeah. Daft Punk, and now we have a bunch of it friends can who feel, like Daft Punk. It can feel weird and isolating, and you and you mention a weird, weird, crazy, uh, like uh, abrasive-sounding dance song to a friend that doesn't get it, and they look at you weird. It can be isolating sometimes. I guarantee you, though, there's a bunch of us out there. And if you are listening to us right now, loving uh, this deep dive, uh, you will you will find your version of our friendship out there sometime if you just keep loving this music. Absolutely. One of my favorite songs is Rolling and Scratching, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, that's a psychotic sound. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this, yeah, this charted in twelve countries. It was number one in South Korea. South Korea loved this album. Yeah, nice. weirdly, weirdly, this Ram did not chart in Japan like almost at all. Really? Like, like I'm going through, like, j like That's there was wild. a couple, like Get Lucky did. There was a couple that like scrapped. Like Get Lucky was a big hit. Some other ones scraped the the charts in Japan. But like Japan has loved Daft Punk. This one, this album did not quite hit as hard. South Korea though. Every one of it was like one or two. The South Korea fucking loved Shout this out, record. Shout yeah. uh, out Mix Mag for this information. Uh, as the week of this recording, South Korea has put a two-week ban yeah, on I, listening I, to at music over 120 <laughs> beats per minute at the gym. It's dangerous. Disco is 100. House music yeah. is 120 at beats least. per minute. That is you know, 120 to 130. Yeah. It is very funny that South Korea banned disco for two weeks so everyone can chill out at the gym. Uh, we don't want people to get to go crazy at the gym. That's can you? That's my footloose. My 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 footloose is what if they banned <laughs> disco at the gym? Then we gotta write that show. Yeah, <laughs> we are writing that show. We are writing. We are. We are writing. We are. We are currently writing a show about uh, about techno. Uh, what if someone stole all the world's techno? <laughs> what if they're writing the techno footloose? Uh, 
we want to move on to track. Yeah, we're officially down. at the halfway park. Let's, let's yeah. move on. We're okay. So th- we're gonna play a clip from Touch. I don't know what part we're gonna play. If if you have not stopped our podcast and listened to the whole record yet, it's really hard for me to find a twenty second Buddy, clip. Anybody of this song. here still has listened to this whole record? <laughs> I'm gonna try to find a, a, a twenty second clip of Touch that accurately describes this whole song. But here we go. This is this is the clip I found. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, Did you hear that tuba in there? Yeah. And that, that clip I spent. There's just like a couple. There's like two or three tuba blur- blurts in the middle down there. Like two just what? <laughs> parts it's parts of that song I sound like. I love tuba blurps. Parts of that so- song to <laughs> me sound like uh, one of those big pianos with all the like the bags and the bells. And, oh like, yeah, the, like the that Will- Fred, Fred Willard yeah, sketch Fred from I think you should exactly. leave. Yeah, exactly. You can. This is a podcast, so you can't say it, but you can picture someone playing this piano part like they're just. Yeah. like swinging yeah. their arms yeah. around the yeah like a muppet yeah exactly. like paul williams is known for it feels, it's funny that um, he wrote music for the muppets but also in his energy yeah. and physicality so chris he is a muppet. chris caldwell the guy that that hooked this up so uh um uh we talked about it in the history episode chris caldwell was is like an old school music background music guy Daft Punk had been talking to them about the idea for this record, and he was the one that was like, you should talk to this guy I uh, worked on the Muppets with, this guy uh, Paul Williams. And they were like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Our hero, Paul Williams. Yeah. Um, he is the he, – he's the uh, – Chris Caldwell is the inspiration for the piano player Muppet, whose arms oh, really? go crazy. That's yes. cool. He, like, he was Jim Heb. Henson's like inspiration for that guy is Chris is Chris Caldwell. So uh, from O Magazine, Tomas says this track is the crux of the album. It was the starting point of the whole disc, which is linked to the meeting with Paul Williams, a sound engineer we know introduces to him. That's what we were just talking about. Paul Williams visited us in the studio from the meet from this meeting. Uh, something very cinema uh, cinematog- cinematographic. Why can't I say that word? Cinema, cinema, tragic. <laughs> Why don't we just say cinematic? We can cinematic. just do that. Cinemo, cinematographic. That's a weird that's word. A word. I think cinematic's the word he was looking for. Cinematic. I think Tomas just said that, and they were like, "It's got to be a word." Cinematographic. Order. That's a weird word. Okay, I think you're right. I don't think that's a real I don't word. Think it is I think either. you meant cinema. Yeah. So okay. do I. But nobody's gonna tell Tomas. Cinematographic he's wrong on his nerd words or whatever. Nerd words. <laughs> That's 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 a that's actually Tomas's next project yeah. is a is a band called Nerd Words. <laughs> it is a word. Is it really? But it's of course cinematographic. It's, yeah, it's the adjective version of cinematography. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Cinematographic. Cinematographic. That is the word. It's a hard yeah. word to say. That's a hard word to say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> something very cinematographic, very narrative was born. Touch well defines the psychedelic aspect of random access memories. Just say narrative. <laughs> I like that he. I like that he uses the word psychedelic. You know oh what yes, I mean? yes. Because incredibly, that's, this is incredibly psychedelic. It's yeah. incredibly psychedelic. Phantom of Paradise is very psychedelic, and 
they have a relationship to psychedelia that is sometimes text and sometimes yeah. subtext. And in this record, it is text. So, Incredibly text. Touch. Like right here specifically, I think this song specifically is the most psychedelic that Daft Punk gets. Yeah. This this song to me feels like the um, the music that um, the musical version of what they were trying to do with Electroma. Yeah. Uh, is, is, yeah. Is really. And, you know, again, in the yeah. notably the um, epilogue uh, video announcing the the split, uh, the breakup, the, the, the end of Daft Punk um, has touch over Electroma, uh, which yeah. which fits. Yeah. Uh, it fits very and well. We heard that quote from Paul Williams or is like we intentionally said is this guy is this guy waking up from a coma is, is he it? waking is he waking up as a robot Un- is he an in- artificial the, in- the artificial place that Paul Williams leaves it is it is an unidentified first person yeah. and we don't know that much but we know yeah. the emotions he's and coming, that was the building block he's coming he's waking up from a subconscious yep they don't say if it's from a coma they don't say if it's a robot waking up they don't say if it's like some sort of machine gaining gaining sentience yep but it this whole whole song is about remembering what it means to have a body and to feel and to and to love and to touch yeah that's what it means and it's like you're right you're right this is this this nine minutes or this seven minutes or whatever is such a such one of the 100,000 percent more effective way to tell the story of electroma than that movie ever did um one of the most powerful lines in this whole movie is the outro on this song which is uh i might butcher it i'm sorry but i believe it's touch sweet touch you've given me so much to feel touch sweet touch you've almost convinced me i'm real uh, which those th- those lyrics right there are so powerful. You guys would love musical theater. The- <laughs> would <laughs> love. <laughs> Wait, would this love. sounds like ev- like the lyrics of this are like yeah. like it. This, but it's, it's I, the, okay. But, it's but so for me, it's I, not I take just offense. Those... I take offense to the word "would" in that yeah. sentence. But here, here, here. <laughs> so for for me though, it's not necessarily those. Those words that do it, it right. is it's the, the work they've done. To, the work yeah. they've done to get there, to to build this huge thing, to go into a disco medley, to go into this insane Muppet sounding stuff, to build up into this like big crazy thing, and then strip it down to nothing, and just have yeah. this man Paul Williams who. Him, in his own voice has said this is the most beautiful I've ever sounded because they found a way to let me be the most vulnerable I've ever yeah. been and to say these words that they've done uh, again this is the second this is the um eight, eight minutes and 18 seconds long so this is another nine minute almost nine minute song he, this, they've done the like, work to deserve this um he his part of it uh Paul Williams part of it is almost like um uh like like uh Thomas Hardy and in Mad Max Fury Road where he says almost nothing in that movie. Yeah. But the moments that they let him step up, they're, yeah. know, they're like home runs every time. Paul, Paul Williams voice is, uh, is a small fraction of that eight minutes. Yeah. But it, but it just like, he came envelops in, the he entire came thing. In and he brought the, like the big, Musical numbers and Phantom of the Paradise. He did. Yeah. Mu- this is the musical so, theater part of yes, this record. It really is. And yeah. So okay. So uh, uh, I mentioned that they vocorded Julian Casablancas' voice. Just remembered in in the that first in that minute and a half intro to this song, that slow build. They really fuck with Paul Williams' yeah. voice. Yeah. Uh, that part. That intro to this song is specifically inspired by Phantom of the Paradise. 
that that yeah. that minute that minute is their love letter that to their wish, favorite wishing movie. And spiraling where, where his and voice panning. gets creepy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where his voice gets really creepy and like like they're they next. Yeah, yeah, they are like that. They specifically Touch. did it Touch. that way. Yeah. Like that, they're like that is our fan of the paradise. It part actually of the song. really disturbs me. Yeah. thinking about him doing yeah. that thing was like Phoenix. Yeah, beef, beef. Oh yeah, we mentioned uh, some special episodes. We that might, will do. Yeah, we'll do we, the commentary. We met, yeah, so we're gonna finish the the actual run of the show, but we will have some. Special we'll do the play along. We'll absolutely we're do we're the, going the, to do. We're Devin, um, the Devin podcast. Devin called I said it on the podcast. Yeah. We're doing. We're gonna the commentary do. A, we're gonna do a commentary episode where you start the movie Phantom of Paradise, and we just talk through it because you, uh, if you have not watched it, uh, it's a movie that they watched twenty times together as kids. It is it is really interesting to watch, and it says so much about them as artists and where they came from. And I I felt like I learned a lot about my two favorite if, musicians uh, just by watching it. What if Phoenix on Homework is named after that? Could be, could be. Honestly, it really could be. Honestly, a lot of times I'm watching movies and I'm like, the only thing that would make this better is if I was being annoying during it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Gimon said that again that this is the core of the record, and he says the memories of the other tracks revolve around it. That sounds really that's, poetic. I don't know what the fuck incredible. that means. That's a cool thing. This is an interesting quote I found from Paul Williams. What was interesting about the first meeting with them was that Tomas handed me a book of stories about people with life after death experiences. Wow. <laughs> life after death experiences where people had died and come back to life. And I was like, oh, my God, I've read this book. I know this book. He sat down and Guimond played the melody to what – We've uh, since called touch. The lyrics just came out of me and it began there. Uh, I took it home and wrote the lyrics. Yeah, that's 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 very cool. I think also like, you know, it is not an accident that this is dead center uh, in the middle of the checklist. Like like you said, we they are they are are geniuses of sequencing. Yeah, this is an incredibly cinematic moment in the the, the, uh, album. It's an incredibly epic moment. It's a cathartic moment. And it ends so melancholy. It's it ends so melancholy and hap and, and like sad, but in like in that sad way where you know that there's a like a core of happiness. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's so quiet and soft, and then they crack her wide open. They they knew Get Lucky was gonna be a fucking smash hit. You know, they 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 do this huge journey of a psychedelic experience that ends in such a quiet, beautiful moment. And then it smacks right off so, into get lucky. They they knew what they were doing. I just did the um the 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 math on this. Uh, it's it is smack dab in the middle. I yeah. know it's check seven, but but yeah. but um, there's about thirty four minutes before it. Yeah. Um, wow, wow, that's interesting. Cool. I'm, I'm doing a little math in my in my brain right now. Um. Yeah, it's it's almost like direct. It's <laughs> yeah, almost identically. Yeah, it almost absolutely. spans the middle here. Cool. Uh, that's very cool. I um I I, I love this song. Me it's too. one of those ones that I. It's a it's 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 not a song. It's I agree. A piece of that's art. that's where I'm going. It's an so opera. There are a handful of opera. It's a handful of electronic opera. There's a handful of Daft Punk songs specifically that I have a hard time even putting in the running for my favorite song yeah. because it's such its own thing, right? Yeah. I, I I put I put um. I put just about all the closers in that, sure. um, but this is uh, I put um, Touch and uh, Giorgio by Moroder are two songs that I put in their own 
their yeah. own little realm. In a, in a in the same way that Giorgio Moroder tells a story, a, a nonfiction story yeah. that tells the story of a man's life. Right. This tells this tells a very different kind of story, but it is a story. It is it's a it's an auditory opera uh, uh, about uh, yeah about uh, sentience. Uh, I I love it, and I can't. It, uh, it's it's like a fucking mushroom trip, man. If you've never yeah. heard this song, I can't explain it to you. Wild. I didn't do that. There's about 34 minutes before this and about 32 minutes after this uh, is, the, Whoa, is about the math. Brother. So it's, it is smack dab in the middle, uh, which is very interesting. Love with, it. Given that quote of the rest of the, the, the yeah. memories revolve around. And it around literally it. does. The yeah. whole thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. We go from that epic journey to this Smash it banger. Get lucky. All night to get lucky. We're up all night to get lucky. She's up all night to the sun. I'm up all night to get some. She's up all night for good fun. I'm up all night to get lucky. We're up all night to the sun. We're up all night to get some. We're up all night for good fun. We're up all night to get lucky. 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 God damn! I love, uh, I love that the, the tight, quick drums yeah. there that come in. I almost with the want vocoder. to, um, I almost want to just, um, just before we move on and talk, just to get a clean listen to the guitar lick without lyrics over it, because uh, it it really is something special. The legend of the phoenix. That's incredible. It's yeah, such it a is. Weird I mean, thing. it's again, it's it's so uh, it's it, it's such a, a Nile. So it's such a Nile thing. Yeah. Yes, but it is an incredibly Daft Punk thing. They so they know they. I think they absolutely know when they have a smash hit on their hand. And one thing that ties this to one more time is the is the never ending cycle of the lick, right? Yeah. So we talked in our discovery episode about how the the movement of the sample they they cut it and chop it in a way where the beginning and the end of the sample are are the same note, so it just feels like you're rolling down a hill and it never stops. There's no there's no relief in this guitar lick. There's no yeah. resolution. Uh, there's no end beat there. It just it 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 ends as it begins and it hits and it keeps going and and it's so satisfying because it it presents itself as something that has never and will never end. Same way as that as that lick from One More Time, and it's something that Daft Punk is locked into a couple times throughout their career. Where I I think that when they lay something like this down, they know exactly that it is going to be like a giant hit. Uh, um, and it, it's something that's incredibly hard to do. It's hard to make something sound like it, it will never end. And, uh, one more time and get lucky, have that very much in common. I mean, Chili talks about it in the collaborator thing. They have an understanding of harmony that is not, um, utilized enough in, in pop music. And, and one of the things that you're hearing is, is, you know, it is what, what was outlined in the collaborator it's suspended harmonies it's suspended harmonies um that don't often resolve and and that's present in this song as well i think what sets this song um what really 
makes this song you, you know we talk about the the carousel of lose yourself to dance right the, the the rotation of everything in and out i really think that in the first clip you played the break into that the the the, the tight drums with the vocoder we're up all night to get um i, I think that really is what sets this song very uh, for me it, it makes it um more, more of a compelling song than Lose Yourself to Dance. I love Lose Yourself to Dance. Don't get me wrong. But this one, it goes more places. Uh, and and th those drums in that moment yeah. are, are some of my favorite drums on this yeah, album. Yeah. Um, only Second only to drums we'll hear later in Contact. Uh, I, I love that part. I, it's one of my favorite parts of the album. And, and again, in a song that I, I like Get Lucky. Um, it's not my favorite song on the album. It's not my favorite chunk, you know, my favorite style of song on the album. Um, we're, gonna, we're about to dive into my favorite part of the album. Um, but my favorite part is when it starts and then all the way to when it ends, baby. <laughs> um, but also, uh, so, so this uh, get, get Lucky for me um, is the, the, the end to act two on this album, right? And I think it follows a similar form that I do want to point out because it's important to, to, uh -huh. to later on. Um, Giorgio by Marauder is resolved by Within uh, in the same way that I feel like Touch is resolved by Get Lucky. It offers you something. You know, that is a journey. There is something incredibly powerful about how deeply quiet and beautiful the end of Touch is. Right. And then it just goes right into the Nile which is lick. the opposite oh which is the opposite of uh what they give us with Giorgio by yeah. to within it's, yeah. it's this huge journey that goes into yeah. this beautiful thing but again it's a type of resolution for this big thing that just happened uh which keep that in the back of your mind because we'll talk about that uh later on it's a six minute track that really is only a, a couple minutes of ideas you know, yeah. like it doesn't have to go for six minutes. I like that they harken back to that yeah. disco 12 inch maxi single of yeah. like, we're going to do I Feel Love for eight minutes. One thing I noticed during the collaborators when Niall was playing some of these riffs and licks is that even though it is like it's very in the pocket and very groovy, it feels like if you hear him just play it, it's not it. There's. There's, There's a weird lack of precision yeah. to it. Yes. That I know. like is very much a feel. When you hear him do it solo, you're just like yeah. Oh, that's wild. So but when you hear it on Chic, you're like, oh my god. Yeah. Uh, when he just noodles into it, yeah. There, he's he, like in those videos, he's fucking it up, and he's yeah. like doing it's a, it. It's a feel. There. Thing. So and there's a way. There's way more going into the lick than just his part too. There's a there's a synthesizer part, and there's a second guitar part. For, um, uh, um that uh people don't both talk by about. him no uh no, no there's oh, a lose another... yourself to dance has two guitar lose parts yourself that he does. to dance has two um uh uh there is another guitar player on this song and it is keep talking i'll oh it's paul jackson jr yeah. oh word. paul jackson jr does the rhythm guitar under yeah under him so there there's a lot going into that lick that he, that um, he can't it yeah it fills it out he yeah. i mean Sheik has stuff with two guitars, too. Yeah. It, it, it's like, I don't know, that style of picking, it's 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 about what you're doing with the right hand in terms of, like, the fast picking, but he's also pressing up and down on the strings yes. on the same chord. So even yeah. if he's playing, like, like building in, in seventh or whatever, yeah. he's, like, just, like... He's building in string mutes in the, the, the chord form yeah. here and there, and, and, and it's a touch thing. It really is. It's not a... Yeah, it's, it is a touch thing. It's not a precision thing no. of, like, during this note, I'm going to do this. It's very much a feel of, like, yeah. just kind of grabbing the guitar. Uh, it's it's about being in the groove and, and, and feeling it, and, and you hear it. You hear Again, you hear that come through. In the same way you can hear a human playing the, the chili piano part earlier yeah. that we talked about, you can hear... You can hear the human playing this guitar, and it's again. This is uh, um, 
a very succinct highlight of what this album is able to do that the previous albums are not able to do. Um, yeah. If that riff yeah. were played with precision, it would not. I want I to. Would not, would not be very right. listenable. Absolutely. Highlight. Just because it's like one of the, I think it's one of the like underrated but very incredibly catchy things in this record. I want to highlight this synth line that they let breathe just at the very end of this track. Uh, um, that just doesn't ever get enough love. Here we go. They don't need to do that. That's no. literally just in the last 30 seconds like, of the song. It's beautiful. I like the structure of yeah. like, jazz where – like if you listen to Take Five by Dave Brubeck, they play the riff, they play the, the the main thing, and then they're gonna let the drummer solo, and they'll let the bassist solo, they'll let the pianist solo, and then the saxophone player solo. Yeah. And a lot of uh, the Daft Punk tunes on this record, it in the way we talk about the carousel, it's like we're gonna play the same riff, and we're gonna let everyone have sixteen bars or thirty-two bars to noodle with it. That is, it feels circular, it feels jazzy, and like let's give every instrument some time. And it's very different than Discovery, yeah. where it's like the structure of the song is not let's take turns with the instruments. It's here's the verse, here's the chorus, yeah. here's the verse, here's the chorus. Totally. That's really cool. And, um, and again, that, that, that synth line at the end there, that feels like a nod to the era that we're talking about here. Because it's, it's, not, it's not crazy to have like an outro solo on a guitar yeah. or an outro, key, uh, outro yeah, and synth this, line. Fading out a solo is very cool. This is a, a single... The biggest single on the track on the record, they obviously knew it was going to be the biggest single on the record, and it fades out like a classic '70s song. Yeah, uh, songs. Guess what they don't do anymore? Fade out. No. I think again, very intentional that "Get Lucky" fades out because it's a, a, a throwback to a different kind of uh, um, radio song. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. From O Magazine. Tomas says it was natural to invite Pharrell to the album. He's a born performer, complete. Uh, he exudes a lot of elegance. Uh, he's not always had the opportunity to show that he could be an excellent singer, although he can uh, be included in the pantheon of legendary performers. He's this guy love loves Pharrell. He, he can be included in the pantheon of legendary performers. He's Tomas like, he's the loves. best, and he's talented, and he's really handsome, and he's cool, yeah. and his shirts are nice. There is no yeah, there's no imaginary line that would separate the great artists of the past and those of today who would be uh, who would all be less good than before. I don't know what that line means, actually. Yeah, that was a know. weird line. We wanted to give the impression of being in a capsule, in the studio, caught off from the world. We can believe uh, that we ourselves are in 1978, but our idea is to make this music travel in the present and in the future, to see what is happening and to observe if this enthusiasm is communicative. Yeah. Uh, again, this is a co-writing credit between the robots Pharrell and Niall. It took more than 18 months to complete this is a this is a year and a half journey. This one song, uh, uh, Daft Punk had produced a demo of the track uh, that was led by a Wurlitzer synthesizer. Uh, they showed the that demo to Niall, and then he asked if they could they could mute everything but the drums. So so he they showed him this like Wurlitzer demo, and he said, "Can you turn everything off but the drums?" And he played. The and he started to riff the guitar lick over that, and then that became the basis of the song. That Wurlitzer piece, whatever it was, 
uh, went away and was was replaced by it's the like synthesizer. It's like when you're working on a track yeah. and you start with a sample and then you build a bunch of shit around it and, and then take you're out like, the sample. Something sounds weird and, and you're it's like, the yeah, sample. sample. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they took that that original synthesizer line out and then added keyboards and synthesizers to complement the thing that Niall had created. Uh, uh, here is an interesting thing from Niall. So when they found out that we were standing in the exact same room that we made the first record, they said to me, well, how did you make Chic Records? And I said, well, typically what we would do is, yeah, I'd write the basic song and then I would listen to the bass line. And once the bass line was laid down, I would map out the bass line. So in the case of, uh, say, a song like Get Lucky, the, the basic chords were... So that's the basic chords. So what I would do usually is I go. And then I play. And once they heard me do that, they went, oh, my God, <laughs> this is cool. If I didn't have to go do another record, we'd probably still be here making that's so cool. That's it's very cool. cool. I like hearing him. I like hearing him play. You know, like no mic, no effects, re- like really stripped out. Because yeah. like, it's nice to know that my instrumentation yeah. is not uh, like light years behind people. Yeah, it's right. just about the writing and and the take and stuff. Because like, it, it's almost, I play stuff and I write stuff and I, I all I can hear is the imperfections in it. I, and to hear that, and it's like, yeah, he's just a fucking guy who plays cool guitar songs. Yeah. And and like listening to the layers of it it's like those videos of watching like matt graining draw homer simpson or something like yeah. that like i i take i i take this amorphous shape and then i layer some like physical physical yeah. body shapes on top of it and then i touch it up with the actual things that make somebody a person yeah uh it's really interesting to hear him like layer into that i i love it um the song is undoubtedly the biggest global smash uh, hit of Daft Punk's career. It charted at top two in 29 countries, which is crazy. Uh, it charted, I don't even know how many countries. It charted one or two in 29 countries around the uh, around the world. It was their first number one hit in their home country of France since One More Time. It was on the French chart for, over, for more than a year. Uh, it was the first and only number one single ever in the UK in Daft Punk's career, which uh, outside of France, their biggest fan sh- fandom ship is in UK. So it's crazy that this is their first and only number one hit. Uh, um, it reached number two in the US. It never topped Blurred Lines. That had uh, to have been very heady for Pharrell. We talked. We touched yeah. on it. Yeah, uh, it, some, it, it, it was something. It was something like. It was something like Pharrell was something. Um, something like the first performer in forty years to have a number one and number two hit at the same time. I Wild. I won't go into it because we're already you know in the middle of a long thing. But I watched a very interesting video that you should check out if you're interested <laughs> in this this kind of stuff that Vox put out, where they charted the success of songs that use falsetto and high register in male voices over the course of 50 years because they were talking about how 2015 was a big year for falsetto voices um it was a year of like the weekend and a couple other big songs uh 
Pharrell has had an incredible career doing this doing high it. register for falsetto thing, and it, it was it was fascinating. It's an interesting view of uh, music, and it's also an interesting view of like applying statistical models to some of this. I was I was fascinated by it. If you like, uh, that sounds something that like Tomas being really would be into really dumb garbage. Into. Yeah, you should you should watch this very cool video that Vox put out. Um, Their the, earworm series is one of my favorite pieces of video journalism on music. Um, uh, this song also broke the single day record for plays in Spotify history. Uh, it's only been performed a handful of times, including that famous Grammys performance we talked about a couple weeks ago. Pharrell has played it live twice without the robots but one time with ariana grande whatever that means <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah that's get lucky it i mean it's an undeniable it, it, it like it is a it is scientifically constructed to be a smash hit yeah i mean i i like this song more than i'll admit i i i it's a great song. It is a great song. This it's one is more, like, it is lasting for me. I, I like this tune, it's a but great, it is not. I can't. I, I agree. Cannot, I cannot turn it off if it comes on. I don't care how many times. It's just. It's like one more time in that way. I don't care how many times I've heard it. I'm. I love it. I one going more to time activates listen. a very yeah. different part of my brain. Yeah, I agree. Like, I like this song, but it's six minutes long. Sometimes I'm like, I'm just. I'm on the same same wavelength as you, Devin, with with this one. One more time for me is 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 a song I will rarely turn off and i gotta be in like a really shitty That's like mood a or something real into my it really brand. is get lucky for me i don't know if it's the 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 commercial success and something in my brain that doesn't want me to like you know i, I, think I don't it's know the human element I, I, you know this, I, this sounds like a nice cool song by a band yeah in the way that one more time feels like a yeah just a laser of dance i i, I mean again take this with the grain of salt but Get Lucky's in the lower half for me on this album. I, I, I we're gonna get into what I would consider, you know, part three starts with Beyond. I have over and over listened to tracks nine through thirteen as a unit without listening to the first eight songs I truly, uh, in my career. I truly don't think that we should be friends anymore. After no, no, I said no, yeah, that. The, the, we can be friends after you said. No, I truly don't think that there's one song on this record that I've listened to more than the others. Yeah, like we, like if I'm if I'm uh, if I'm like doing yard work, listening to music. Yeah, and something from Ram comes on, I stop what I'm doing and I flip from See, random play to the top of this record and I listen to far, it. By far, <laughs> by far, by probably a factor of ten, I have listened to tracks nine through thirteen. More than I don't, yeah, I do not. I don't. I you don't are do that with this record. Prisoner by this record <laughs> in a way yeah. that I am not. I am. I am for, this, this has this all, is this my has record. Stockholm syndrome. Yes, over this you. is my record. I so yeah. I mean, it, it, I don't have to go into my personal life. It came out. Uh, it came out in a in a time of yeah. my life that I was not super happy with what was going on with my life, and this this came out and provided me with an incredible amount of joy that I didn't think that I could get from other parts of my life at, at that specific point. And it, it's just, it, it is tied to, it's tied to happiness and joy to me from front to back in a way that I, I will never, I will never be able to untangle myself from this record. I I'm incredibly appreciative that it exists. I cannot believe the amount of work and attention to detail and passion that they threw into this thing and the amount of fun that you can hear in every single note. Yeah. I love it front to back. And I, I truly don't think no matter what, like, you know, I listen to new music and I, I, I like, I'm not somebody in my thirties that I'm like, like, you know, music is dead now. I'm not one, somebody like that, but I truly don't, I cannot, uh, 
believe or imagine that I will ever connect with a piece of music yeah. like I, I have with this ever it's again. Great. It's, it's my it, favorite record. Yeah. What's what's interesting to me about this is like you hear there's there's a lot of labor in this record. Yeah. But everyone who talks about it, they're like, it was fun. We yeah. had fun in the studio. Yeah. There have been a lot of other groups that I've watched documentaries on or whatever. And when it's time to talk about their classic best album, they're like, honestly, I don't have a ton to say because we were in a good space yeah. and it was cohesive. And we just got in there and we connected and it was working. The albums you hear a lot of talk about yeah. are always like, yeah, it was a mess and yeah. it sucked. Like when it's going well, yeah. when, when it's like clicking and everyone's like it's in so much it, fun. It's, it's a fun thing. It's not like a... And, we had to, you know, it's yeah. not a Sisyphusian you know, task to right. put you know out really, RAM. Yeah, what what really, um, what really is awesome to hear about when they talk about this, they're like, we worked so hard on this. We did it for five years. Every single moment on the record was poured over. We poured our lives into this, and it was a fucking blast. Every yeah. day of how, it's fun like, as fuck, yeah. How many, like, there's, there's very few times, I don't know, like, when people talk about hard work, and and like busting ass over stuff, it's never positive. But sometimes right. it feels really good to work really yeah. hard on something, I, and I appreciate that. Like they worked really hard on this, and it was awesome. I, I really appreciate that. I like would, I, there's like some of my favorite moments in my life are when I've worked really hard yeah. on something, and I'm like, oh, it was really fun. Like this fucking podcast. Throwing this it, podcast th- is an incredible back, amount right. of work. Throwing this it podcast back is to... an incredible amount of work. And like it it's it's That's one of my itself. favorite things I've done Throwing in a really long time. Throwing it back to Chili Gonzalez's quote, right? I, and I think what Daft Punk knew at the beginning of this is and, and the people they work with all agree is that this album hit a nexus for them of joy and challenge. And, and I think that that's what comes through. These are all people who are, who who want the challenge? Yeah, and, and have fun with the ch- you know like a psych. You need a you need a psycho nerd like Tomas. Yeah, you you need you need uh, uh, the piano harmony guy. You you need Paul Will. You need all these people who want the challenge and have nothing really to prove. Yeah, there is there was something in the Mix Mag cover story on Seinfeld today where he was saying. Like at the beginning of doing this, I wanted to turn over these tracks as fast as I could yeah. and get them out. Right. And there is a relationship you have to this at the beginning of it where you're like, I want to put out things quick and I want to hook people in three minutes. I want to, I want to, yeah. I want to get them. I want to show them what I can do. Right. Cause you want to put out enough cool, catchy three minute tracks that you build up the goodwill mm-hmm. to say, all right, now I'm going to do 10 minutes of music. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go for 10 minutes. And Daft Punk uh, on homework, there are some longer tracks, but the hits are shorter on discovery. It is all tight. Yeah. Tracks. It's very tight. Four and they build up the Three, goodwill to go on these like long journey songs on yeah. this. And, well, and like, they, that's they, a very they, different thing. They put out, 2007 they put out a live which gives us faith in them doing a huge thing yeah. you know they show us that they can take what they've done and make this epic journey with it and, and now then, and then a couple years after that they show that they have the musical wherewithal to command a 90 piece orchestra yeah. yeah and then they take all of this technical know-how that they've built over 20 years and they they uh, warp it onto using live instrumentation yeah. and find a way 
to lay down original drums, original bass, original moments, and then sample their own work that they that they did yeah. with it's with great. their heroes. And it like there will never be anything like this no. ever there's again. A, it's an incredible achievement. And a, there's a special thing about like you hear like Jazz Shaw talk about it in the Bloghouse like retrospectives. It's like we were all in a hurry to like let's make the song today and take it to the club tonight. Yeah, and that is a good and special energy you sometimes need. Sometimes yeah. you need to put the tracks out right now. You need to bring them to the club. Let's get the single out. And then there are times where it's like, let's spend five years teasing out these ideas to the best iteration they yeah. are. And this is like, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad they spent the time on it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's, let's, get into let's this. move on to, to, to the final leg to of the, the record. final leg of the record, which is my favorite part. Again, I'm going to start this one right from the beginning. This is Hell beyond. Yeah. Cut it off. It's so hard. There are so many moments. Same energy as the beginning. Yeah. Like, like, yes. Big. So that this is this was another one that I I was thinking of when I mentioned that in the beginning, where there's these huge swells of energy at the beginning of songs, and they let that snap into like something really soulful and smooth. um, That's an amazing break. We talk about the use of the vocoder, right? And um, one of the the very specific moments that they You're find the they find so much um, emotion is it's shortly after that it's when they say when the you're lyric the end and the beginning no not even the end of the beginning i'm sp- speaking specifically of the way that they manipulate the word and rise yeah. Uh, yeah is one of these moments in this song where it's just one word and you can hear the attention to detail and how it's just a little bit it's incredible. oh man it, it is um, like i again i like i i want to just play this whole 5 minute track yeah this is this is an, like an underrated uh, beautiful thing and i like again they they masters of sequencing yeah. they they knew that get lucky was the biggest song on this record and then they do this enormous grand swell into this smooth Beyond jam that's more cinematic than a lot of yeah. the tron soundtrack yeah really is that yeah, is really gi- is that sounds like it really like, is like 50 so we Beyond learned is... we learned two year two weeks ago that they had uh recorded some sort of orchestral part for every track on this record mm-hmm. and then they smoothed them away and picked the track that picked the moments this like th- this is it like Beyond, they, like um, this is this is why they put all of that work into working with orchestras for the start of this song what a beautiful it's, i don't i don't moment. know where this this falls for me but beyond is absolutely in my top 5 daft punk songs of all time absolutely it is one of my favorite songs You'll of all time you have to figure it out 
for I know I'm gonna have weeks. to figure it out. So yeah, for, we're gonna do I, I, we're gonna we're gonna narrow it down. We're gonna each do a top ten songs of all time, and we're gonna rank all the the, the final punk. I'm excited for that. Um, the final punk. But down. but I um beyond is one where it doesn't rely on. It doesn't rely on a, a hook. You know, you feel like, you know, these lyrics go. These lyrics just keep going. You'll find your song and rise. And, and you know, there are all these words that are so hopeful and um, optimistic, which this really feels like, um, you know, we, we joked about the memories portion yep. of the, this feels like the memories portion of from, the album. From uh, Tomas and O Magazine, another track made with Paul Williams who wrote the lyrics. Yep. It is a super cosmic song with a very poetic and very pure, uh, um, um, uh, with very, very poetic and very pure lyrics. We talked a lot with Paul about the direction of this record, and it was interesting that he could put our ideas into words. Yeah. They took a lot of people's um, performances and chopped them up and edited them. I think, I think the thing they were thinking about most during the production of this album is, above all, to never give the impression of a loop. Right. Yeah. There is ne- even if they did loop something, there is never the impression that you are going to have the repetition of this bar again. Yeah. One more time is a song built on a loop. Yeah. Right? I mean, we'll get we'll get to the one time I think that yeah, I agree exactly. with you. But I in, think in I contact, think the one time they do there's the, the, the hard drums. Well, you got you got to wait till contact. Yeah. We'll I'm just saying, but, but yes, but I agree. Put that point in your back pocket yeah. because that is a point that I was going to hit later. Like, a lot of if you talk to someone about the production of this music, it's like even if you are playing differentiation over the course of five minutes, you're changing baselines, you're moving. Yep. You still want to give the feeling that you are returning yeah. to a repetition. So it's like, even if you've changed a lot of stuff, you yeah. want it to feel like you're looping it. And this record is incredibly and, disinterested. And we'll, in again, like, like I don't want to jump the gun, but that you, the point you're making is, is almost the identical point. I would, I was, planning to make on motherboard because that sure. is the key point to that song that yeah. it is it is an it, it is okay, a, yeah before we go yeah before yes. we get to uh motherboard uh um paul williams is a great guy uh he we've we've used so many incredible quotes from him such a little weirdo uh this is my favorite moment uh from paul williams that i found uh of all of the research i did here this is just a clip of him listening to beyond and reacting to it and it's really cool it's like the opening of a great mgm old school major dramatic film this is this is life this is the essence of life this is the gift of life and it's all in his music it's all right there and then Beyond dreams, that's where life is. Beyond life. This is the essence of life. I was going to say, this sounds like everyone's <laughs> uncle, but we are, we've grown into this role. Yes, absolutely. We talk like, absolutely. We talk this like is everyone's a, uncle. The way he's Devin talking is have, us at every bonfire yeah, we've ever man. been to. Devin and I have this running bit where we have like, <laughs> we have a made up, like a made up, like, Aunt Catherine, yeah, and uh, we're like playing, like the bit Aunt is like we're playing a, a house music song at like a family function, and we're like, Aunt Catherine, shut up, 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 right, right, like you right. wait until the break of a song, like shut, yeah, Aunt Catherine, shut up, shut up, shut up. You make right? someone listen. You <laughs> make someone listen, and they can't hear the difference in what's going on, but you're like. 
Did you hear that? Yeah. Did you hear that? Because uh, I have, I have uh, a I've poison in my brain. People. Absolutely. I'm like, the best right? part of this song is actually, like, it's the harmonic of, like, yeah. the two notes. Like, it's it's not in the song. It's actually, like, space I'm in slowly, the song. I'm slowly getting comfortable with the fact that, like... I'm gonna be the weird uncle. Like my uh, my 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 nephews yeah. and nieces are gonna yeah. be like, Uncle Andy's Uncle Andy's really weird. Like I can't I, help if it. If you just recognize that you're if you're gonna be the weird <laughs> part of the anything, family, yeah. not just part of the, whatever whatever <laughs> the way you describe yourself, yeah. you're the weird that. That's, that's a good cool. Way. Yeah, uh, I I love that though. Just him being like, this is it's an MGM cinematic score it's the essence of life it is it is so cra- <laughs> like in real time to hear him say that and i'm like man that sounds like man, my so- uncle and then i'm like no that sounds like you know me. what's funny yeah. so so you guys know my my, my partner nannies and uh, yeah. a three-year-old and a one-year-old right and i'm i uh they they, they come over and i've i've got them so now the the three-year-old when she says song she means uh she means one more time hell yeah and i does. um i met uh i i i, I went over uh and i met the, the parents of, of those kids and I saw the look on their face of you're the one that showed her the song Hell yeah. <laughs> because uh, I, you know it's it's very it's 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 crazy to see <laughs> the yeah. effect of, of that craziness uh, yeah song is it's very one funny. more time yeah absolutely uh, yeah I lo- uh, I just can't say enough good stuff about the song yeah Move on? Yeah, let's do it. Motherboard. This is Motherboard. Ah, yeah. I love that. I love when the whole thing just like collapses it on itself, and then you can hear you can hear that like triumphant synth line like rounding the corner and coming back into focus. Man, it's not this this is a in, um, a lot of like the music we listen to is interested in telegraphing to the audience where the song is going. Yeah, right. So you will you will use like filter sweeps or crashes or whatever to build into things to tell the audience like who's listening like this is going to get bigger or yeah. we're going to wind it down. And this is a song that subverts a lot of those things. It's like, you don't know what, what is going to happen. It's yeah. not like it builds up to this. For, it just kind of like moves for me. This track is a couple things. Tech, tech, a couple technical points right, right off the top here. Um, your, 
there's no loops kind of meant quote uh, uh idea from the last song i think yeah. is very much on show with motherboard i also think motherboard for me is is like the perfect balance of of the 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 alive the human and the robot it really is it motherboard for me feels like the thesis of the human robot idea because there's you you don't realize when it morphs into these tech 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 techno-y sounds yeah. and then there's these strings or you hear this whir and then you realize that's that's string noise off of a string section off a of violin yeah. not not simulated computer noise or whatever um but the the, the other point i want to make is this song instantly transports me to some of my favorite memories of the last few years. Uh, you know, I, 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 this, this song puts me on the bridge in the middle of nowhere looking up at the stars. This song puts me on the river outside. This song puts yeah. me immediately in some of the most nature, yeah. natural you know places. You know what yeah. it does in, in an incredibly weird way is it takes that, like, incredibly disconcerting and off-putting wet splat sound yeah, the human that they developed all they, the, human, the human yeah. after all splat that they developed on that record it makes it this beautiful Man. noise should we should we buy the Digitech bass one? Yeah, let's yeah, do why it. Not? It's like why 150 bucks. Why not? Yeah. Should why we not? buy one and plug they found a, They found it? a way. Be, let's yeah, plug some synths. They found a way to make that like ugly, weird noise they, that they exploited on, on Human of- After All, and they made it beautiful on this yeah. song. And it and it just uh, and, and again, like we talked about the attention to detail. They were on a sound studio recording water droplets. For this song, yeah, Nickelodeon uh, and Gak the song. They gacked it. They gacked this song so much, and and the the movement of it. I mean, at one point, it's it just, just it feels like the entire song morphs into a sonic ball of water that is then like Avatar, like like controlled and formed, and then it goes into that crazy uh, flying, you, you know, f- synthy arpeggio kind of thing. It, it, I don't know. This song is is the closest thing to. I, I don't know. It, the, it, it's a it's a great song. The, it's a great the track. Thing that, it's in a world of its own. That we like about this music is the tension and release. And sometimes the relationship between tension and release is not one thing, right? Sometimes the tension and release is a volume. Yeah. The volume's too loud and you need the release. Sometimes it's the pitch is too high and it's a release. Sometimes it's the sounds are like clashing and you need the release of them stopping. Yeah. Sometimes it's like too fast and you need them to space out. And this is a song that plays with tension and release in a lot of weird ways. Sometimes it's like the tension and release is like very organic to very digital. Sometimes the changes it's, or it's it's, it's like, quiet percussion that should or loud percussion that should be quiet when you when you realize that that's like a a finger tapping not a drum but it's being used in a way that that again like volume as we we talk about how they 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 play with parameters that aren't often played with and i think that's one that's on display here is they're playing with you know, quiet, tiny noises that are at levels uh, on par with these huge orchestral sounds or these yeah. huge uh, computerized noises. And it's just yeah. a, 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 you know, for me, one of the amazing things is realizing what I'm actually hearing at these moments. Is that a string? There's no way. Loop? There's absolutely no way to know here. So, again, uh, uh, um, this was this is the second song on the record that is a solely Daft Punk effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, um uh, in O Magazine, 
Tomas said, this is a futuristic piece, uh, which could be from the year 4000, uh, which is uh, a crazy thing to say about your music. I mean, it's true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it is it's unconventionally composed. It goes in. It, it is completely unpredictable. That that com- that complete breakdown at the in the middle of it, in the the rotating return of the synth line is an incredibly beautiful piece of music. I just love this. I love it so much, and it's so it's so weird and so earwormy. It's not like I, I don't I don't even know how to describe it. It's not dancey. I, you I gotta, can't. You gotta plug the RAM into the motherboard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's I how it works in a computer. You put the RAM on the motherboard. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I stand by my statement that I think this is the thesis of Human Robot. This is the final project of of that idea. I mean, I, I love where we go with it, but but for me, this is the the deepest evaluation into Human Robot. Um, it's very funny that they really don't have. I don't know if anyone's going to get mad at me for saying this. They don't really have anything to say about Human Robot. They just put out like a zillion songs that are like Human Robot yeah. and then a bunch of grooves. And I'm like, I'm that it. is true. That's all you need. <laughs> I mean, they all listen. They, again, with the emotion but versus the lyrics, you, it's like but they Human let, Robot and then I'll think about yeah, it. Yeah, but, that's but if you look at the way. thing about this is that they, they just, they say like, yeah, like Human Robot, here's the thing. And then they let you yeah, infuse I'm gonna it with like, emotion. I'm going to listen to these or, songs and be like. Like there's, there's but, nothing inherently intelligently like intelligent to say about what this song is about or whatever right but like you, they they say like this is about the infusion of technology into humans and you're and you listen to it and listen to all the weird things happening and you infuse your emotion with it and interpolate how you want to that's the genius of it yeah, yeah. They, they leave they it so really, vague because they don't they don't really even say that. Right? Yeah. The yeah. lyrics just say. There's no lyrics to the, yeah. robot. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. in the, I yes. don't mean the song. I mean, in their career. Yeah. They don't ever like go to you and say like, we're looking at this thing. They just keep saying human yeah. robot and you fill in the blanks right. for their whole career. But if you look at, you know, I, I think that the, 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 the big thing to look at is not going to 2007 right going to i think that looking at the original closer the encore is great and i think the encore does a lot for this conversation but the original closer is the up in the air human human and then human after all i mean so so they do get into it in the way uh, i think the, the 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 deepest dive into that conversation up until this point i you know is 2007 is specifically the end there um but 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 yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Motherboard's an all timer for me. I agree. I feel like <laughs> yeah. the text of their career is truly just the words "human" and "robot." Yeah, yeah. And the subtext is yeah, whatever we we think honestly about. like the the thesis of their entire career is rock, robot, rock. Yeah, <laughs> like, hon- that's it. Honestly, that's all, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it, and it rocks, and it like it like from the very beginning that they. they they went through some like emotional rough patches around the human after all era, but they, from the beginning, they were just like, we're two guys that want to make music that makes people feel good. And they have done it over and over and over again. They have tapped into some innate human understanding of what makes people feel good. And they robot understanding. They they just, they can, they, they can take a couple sounds 
and they can use them to make people feel good. They find, and they do it over and over an and over innate, again. And there's something simply beautiful about that. I think one of the 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 the, the heavy parts of their subject matter, quote unquote, if we'll call it that, is is things that want to be other things that can't, or things that want to be other things that can. Whether it's human that wants to be robot or a robot that wants to be human, or or I mean, you look at electroma. I mean, but, but that's look, what we're saying is that none of that. Ultimately, none of that. Means but I think anything. what you're it's tapping this, into, like, it's just this surface level but, thing that they that they coat is the music it, but in. Is it, yes, I don't it know is. that it is. All that it boils level. down to is, can we make people feel good? And but they what do makes it. people I'm, feel good? My this, question is, is, is I think that they sonically have locked onto things like suspended harmonies. I think we can we can identify the specific things that they utilize to do this, and I think yeah. what they convey the human is a hope thing, for growth. The human robot thing that, is just a brand. That's it. They then that it is it coats everything in this cool sheen. Maybe it's a brand, but for me, what that does is it's a a mechanic. It's the same idea as Clockwork Orange, right? It's a mechanical thing that we can find life in, and whether they intend it or not, that's what I love about this Daft Punk yeah. stuff. Is that you're taking some of the most mechanical things and you're putting some of the most emotion you can infuse into something in it. But what what do you uh, mechanical in terms of the technology used? In, yes. In terms uh, of the way it's produced, in terms so, of, uh, I mean, it's a different, behind, it's a different evaluation they, of so it. So they, they've each. used they've used technology over and over again yes. on the on the back end to extrapolate the most soul and energy and human uh, uh, movement possible on the front end, right? Like they they spent twenty years of their career using machines to pinpull these specific moments of soul from from disco records from the 70s to to make into so something they st- new they like the technology's on the back end the human soul and the human emotions always it's been like on the front end uncle- and they they took this record to say like we've over and over again s- s- like snipped these moments of like beautiful passion and soul out of these old records can we do that ourselves that's what this record's about like it, the technology is about the back end the human the human emotion and soul and passion has always been the front end this record just gave them the chance to create that that passion from the ground up they didn't have to sample anything here cuz they got to make it with their friends yeah i i i I'll- We'll get more and more into the the look back overall review, but I think that there is a compelling argument on what's you know you know are they starting with the the nostalgia and is the nostalgia the the first human element so nostalgia into sample into you know I, I, we'll talk more in the look back, but I, I think we that think about it more than they ever have. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know that that's true, Tomas. He's 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 a he's a fucking yeah. guy who loves this shit. Yeah, he doesn't. I guarantee he does not think about this yeah. the way. But is I mean, but that's I, I mean that's that's one of the things about art throughout history. Is it? it yeah, you know. Most of art takes place in the viewer, yeah. right? Not in it's, the creator. It's the relationship so, of the community to it. Yeah, it's, and, uh, it's the fans of Daft Punk. Yeah, exactly. So I think that there's, you know, uh, at a certain level, I don't really care that much. Like, I love talking about what yeah. they intended, but I think for me, the more important thing is what I get out of it and, and, and evaluating I it. I absolutely agree. Yeah. If, like, if you listen to this record and you you have a very specific theory. It's, it's like that Kubrick yeah. documentary right. room 237, yeah. where everyone has a very intense and a little bit crackpot theory about what the shining's about. The thesis of that documentary is kind of like, 
Well, none of these are actually correct insofar as yeah. that's what he wanted. I mean, Kubrick was a crazy man, yeah. and that's documented very well. But, like, none of these specific theories are what's in the movie. But I don't think it invalidates it. Like, if you watch the movie and that's what you get from it, that is correct. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll get yeah. way deeper into this conversation in a couple <laughs> episodes from now. Uh, let's go on to uh, uh, number 11, Fragments of Time. I'll just keep playing back These fragments of time Everywhere I go These moments will shine most direct connections to discovery because he's using i think yeah. the talk box with yeah. the synth for that solo that's thing. right that feels very very 20 years ago yeah. and, and it's you know like that's the last time they work with todd edwards yeah and, and this is cool. this song like like they put this incredible like love letter to the 70s in the middle of this uh and then in the middle of it they're like what if we do a fucking uh doobie brothers <laughs> yeah man it's it's uh, got a hokiness that is fun when we were doing the collaborators episode and we played that clip about todd being like they said you know go do your cut-ups or whatever yeah i had never thought of this song as having the todd edwards thing. until i th- listen like after yeah. that listening to the chorus it's because there he's not tradi- like todd edwards thing is always these vocal blips yeah you know these like little like short vocal things with spaces he does that with the guitar and the steel guitar. So it's yeah. not like the, uh, uh, it's so, like, um, it's, this it's is Todd of- Edwards. I found an interesting quote from him just a little bit longer. This is Todd. Uh, the song is the most contemporary on the album and is the least touched by electronic instruments. So Tomas asked me to have a go at cutting up the music. I'm known for having a specific style of using samples, which is to take micro samples of other people's work and build musical collages from that. Daft Punk are known for doing the same thing. But in this case, instead of using samples from others, we sampled the music they had already recorded. I created an eight bar piece of music. That became the chorus. I was very impressed by what they had done with the album in general. I'm a decent producer. But uh, it was the kind it was kind of humbling to learn about how uh, they had recorded everything. And it really made me realize how much I still had to learn. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it's crazy. Yeah. For me. Um, I, but yeah, I like learning that and stuff. And then and yeah. then like specifically listening to the chorus loud. Like you can hear 
that like yeah. airy Todd Edwards kind of stuff. I yeah. um I I absolutely love this song, and I will this... go on record to say that if you're driving down a highway in your car on a summer day, there is not a better song that exists than this. For so uh, when this came out in May of 2013, uh, it like I. I don't know that I listen to other music for like six months. <laughs> like I, uh, I, I think that this is all I listened to for six months, and for a really long time, this song was my favorite on the album. Yeah. Uh, it's just so, it's just such a breath of fresh air, and it's so beautiful and weird. And have you gotten because of this record? Have you gotten into like '70s shit? Uh, I should. I should I wonder. Yeah. Like I. I wonder if you. I, I bet there are a bunch of records from the show that you would like because of this. You I know, because yeah. these they're big influences on them yeah. for this. I should. I should. But no. Yeah. But I should. Yes. I. I don't. I, I love way, this. You know? I. If there are, if there are songs that you're like, you know, this is what fragments of time came from. Send them along yeah. because it's incredible. If and you then, have a favorite '70s record that you love, that this any of this album makes you think of, send it to our email. Yes, I'm very please. interested. Please, yeah. If if you're like if you're like touch makes me think of this record from the '70s, send it along. If fragments of time makes you think of a, of a specific thing from the '70s, send it to info at alive2021.com because yeah, uh, this it's just make it's just so rich and dynamic. Um, and then filled in so uniquely with a steel guitar, a slide guitar. Yeah. So uh, uh, they, this is Greg Leitz, who you know, just like these other session musicians, they uh, partnered with for this record. Greg Leitz is like the guy in the music industry for steel guitar. Uh, Guy Mon said, Greg Leitz. We love the uh, pedal steel guitar. It's an instrument with a very strange, airy sound between a guitar and a synthesizer. We made it sound very traditional, but on the contrary, kind of more psychedelic. It's on the edge of electronic and acoustics. And then Tomas piped in, the pedal steel guitar is an instrument that is mostly heard in West Coast rock. A priori, it is not made for disco. This is precisely why it seemed interesting to us to have Greg Leitz play on the same record with Giorgio and Niall. They have very different stories, backgrounds, but we realize that in the end, their music is very easy to converse. I think of the steel guitar, the pedal lamp guitar, as being very, um, very, very folksy and country. Yeah. yeah. But the way you pitch bend it does feel more akin to a theremin than it does, it does yeah. anything else. And yeah. it is to hear it phrased like that, where it's like like a synthesizer. I've never thought of it that way, but it, it makes sense in that context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's very theremin-y. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Edwards once said that the microphone he used for the song was worth more than his car. Uh, and that it had been previously used by Frank Sinatra. Yep. <laughs> it was very weird. That's a, That sounds like something Thomas would do. Yeah, why not? What kind of car do you think he drives? Todd Edwards? Probably like a 1996 like Ford Fiesta. <laughs> I would say... I would say a 2012 Honda Accord. There you go. Uh, yeah. Um... This is Doing It Right featuring Panda Bear. Everybody, 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 everybody. 
This is a Daft Punk song because their vocals are in it. I know that Panda Bear is just doing his voice thing, but what they are doing with the instrumentation is in emulation of the kinds of things Animal Collective does. Yeah. They have no other instrumental tracks that do this. It's very it's very interesting. Yeah, so um, this was the last uh, song produced for the record. It It is the only one that is solely electronic in nature. Um, uh the story of the thing, though, is like Panda Bear walks in and they've got it. They've got the song and they ask him to noodle around. Um, so then, then that means they wrote a song. That they wrote like a song. This, for, so we've, we've touched on this idea. This is one of one of my favorite songs of all time. It's great. Um, but but we've touched on this idea of like for me, this this song feels like. Oh, a bunch of people are making a new kind of music. Hold my beer or whatever. Yeah, you know, it's right. what it feels like. Yeah. Um, and and I think you know they don't put songs in 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 a location as far as track order on accident. And I think this being yeah. right before contact, they're like, uh, for me, this is the new for me. You know, I'll I'll go through my part three and why it's my favorite. But Beyond and Motherboard feel like um, Daft Punk quintessentially breaching a thesis on their idea yeah fragments of time feels like them doing this this hokey 70s thing doing it right feels like them saying oh you guys have a new style of music we can do that and then contact feels like don't try to keep up with yeah me. yeah it, it really <laughs> does it this feels like they wrote a love letter to a lot of styles of music yeah. and this is a love letter to like yeah the future shit, yeah you know? it's, a, it's a love letter to what's happening now after them or yeah. maybe what they inspired right like yeah. like um it it, it it daft punk wrote my favorite animal collective song right like <laughs> yeah. like that's what I, they I did what you mean yeah, yeah that that's a really interesting point that like that this In an could era be a, of yeah. sleigh bells and shit. Yeah, that like, they that they could have been like, okay, so this is an interesting new future for the music yeah. that we created or that we helped we helped right. uh, like here's uh, your... elevate twenty years ago. This is what this is what the future might look been... like, and this is our version of it. it mm -hmm. That's been a really weird interesting point. If for they me, put it out with without. I Panda agree. Bear. They can't do you this know? without Panda they Bear. They bring Panda so, Bear in I agree. to be yeah. like so, this, this. Legitimizes uh, our so contribution to this. We talked about it last week. Panda Bear uh, had asked them to remix an Animal Collective song, and then he had asked them to remix a Panda Bear song, and they said no and no and no. Uh, but they kept that in their back pocket. They obviously respect him, and they're obviously interested in the kinds of stuff that they're doing electronically. I think that's a really good point, Darren. That that they're just I, like like I have we, a we, this solid. Is a, this is a tip of the cap here. This is a tip of the cap to uh, what people are going to be doing with this music in the future, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna invite one of the the preeminent contemporary people that are are um, celebrating that sound. I, 
That's a good point. I, and I, I don't think there's an accidental title of doing it right. I think they're saying this is somebody doing it right. Yeah. And, this is how, and, and, and I'll get into my contact theory in a second. But I feel like in um, uh, like our, 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 fan, our fan mail earlier that Daft Punk New Contact was going to be the last song. Uh, I agree. And I think that doing it right is here's your future. And contact is here's our future. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that is, I, I think that's why these two songs are at the end. Yeah. Uh, I love doing it right. It's one of my favorite yeah, songs of all Yeah, it's really time. great. Uh, this is sound engineer Pete Franco, who was a big uh, part of the song, uh, the the record. The synth and drum sounds on Doing It Right, for example, were created using a modular synth, which uh, also has uh, the capability to store patterns. To mainly use this, uh, uh, to mainly use this piece of gear was another very deliberate decision that they made. It's almost a lost art form to create sounds on an analog synthesizer using LFOs and uh, envelope filters and analog delays and so on. I would look at their signal paths and be totally amazed at the sounds they managed to create. Um, it was the third single on the record, released September 3rd. It charted in five countries, so it was like a mild hit. Yeah. Yeah. I have to imagine that Simeon Mobile Disco was touring with their rig already at this time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, this was way this before is, that. This is yeah. an incredible I saw. Time. I saw that in, yeah. in like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait. They, yeah, they talk about their rig for this. I've already said it on the podcast, but modular synthesis is the most powerful force <laughs> in the universe. <laughs> it's true. It it's true. true. It's one it's, of them. It's folks, up there. It's true. Spending $8,000 on a bunch of cramp rock. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. The closer. Contact. Man. The funniest thing we could have done was to say, ladies and gentlemen, the closer contact, play the entire song and, and then end it. the podcast and not do any more episodes. <laughs> ever, ever. That would be the most service of You have song. no idea how much that exact thing that serves would have been the thesis. Really That's funny. serving the thesis no. I'm about to yeah. go off on uh, right now. Okay. So um, this, uh, there's a very specific reason why DJ Falcon is involved in this song. Uh, so in in all of the interviews and all of the stuff, right? They're like the only the only sample, the only time we do a sample is on the song "Contact," and it's this uh, uh, this NASA Apollo mission and stuff. That is half of the truth. Okay, that's half the truth. The NASA mission uh, uh, is a big part of it. Right. And, and everybody knows about it. The, the Bob part with DJ Falcon and everything. It's a big uh, uh, he he mentioned that they should have some sort of countdown in it. It became the, the NASA part. That is half true. That is one of two samples used in the song. Truly, uh, 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 it uses a proper sample in the traditional Daft Punkian sense as well. 
And it is a throwback to the old days, nodding to a set that Tomas and DJ Falcon as the duo together played with Cassius in 2002, which you yeah, love. Yeah, the long Specifically, set. this is a set uh, that, that Devin loves. And in in the middle of that like four hour fucking set or whatever, they play a snippet of the song "We Ride Tonight" by the Sherbs. Uh, um, this is something that Tomas and DJ Falcon uh, used again and again uh, together. Uh, and let's just listen to the first minute of the Sherbs song Hell "We yeah. Ride Tonight." get enough of how different the break is <laughs> it is not that different to me like it, the, even, the, even if it's like yeah. sonically different yeah. the energy absolutely of the energy is so i mean they talk about like obviously like sing like foghead or whatever yes. whatever you know it's that yeah. same thing so, it's like here's the energy we want the yeah. uh, uh the energy's the same the break is wildly different the minute the, that opening is Almost exclude like just unadulterated, taken. unadulterated, uh, 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 taken, lifted from that song, and then uh, enveloped into a brand new thing. Um, I am now of the opinion that that is on purpose. That they, uh, as a group, decided to. It'd be crazy if it was on accident. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so the the three the three guys from the Sherbs. Uh, it's an Australian band. They got writing credit on this song. Uh, so, you know, they're in the, the liner notes and everything. They get royalties. Uh, I think it's uh, specifically on purpose that the closing track of this album uh, throws back to their their career as revolutionary uh, um, sample artists. This is the only moment on the record that they sample something. They do so in an incredibly awesome way. Uh, it's such a weird thing. Uh, they take a wholesale sample like that uh, and they spin it into something incredible. And not only that, but it is a uh, something that is meaningful and important to them and their friends. They get uh, DJ Falcon involved, who is a longtime friend and associate who has been with them step by step throughout their career, who is their tour photographer. Um, this, I believe, is them nodding to their career, lifting off and saying, this is it. I agree. I believe that the, that it, it's intentional that this is the only sample on the, the album. I b- believe that's intentional how lift-offy it is, how, how intense it is, how abrasive it is. Um, and I like looking back, uh, everything we know and how, and how this is presented, 
I think that there's a good case to be made that they understood that this was this was the last song that they were going to present to the world as a as a as a duo. It's like thematically, it's like a song that is interested. I don't know in exploring what it means if you are crawling under the table because you lost your contact. <laughs> I, no, I, but here, here, hear me out on this one though. I, I think it's very important. I, I know good, I set that yeah. up. Well, that was good. Set sold it you sold it. That was a good one. But here, here, another, another thing um, that uh, I think goes with the thesis of them knowing this is the end. Um, about, I, I know we have this story about how, uh, DJ Falcon said, you know, I picked that we picked that sample because it had Bob in it or whatever. But I, I, I don't think it's lost on them that Apollo 17, where this is pulled from, is the last Apollo mission, which is also another. I mean, all of these things point towards finality. It's a, a nod to this wholesale sample at the beginning. Um, you know, it feels like a liftoff. And uh, I think that the biggest thing uh, we talked about part one part two part three right this is the closer on part three the other times they had these massive builds up they they give you some type of relief whether it's this exciting journey in Giorgio by Marauder that gives you this this somber but but very beautiful relief of within or you get touched this this crazy journey that gives you this groovy 4 a it's always 4 a.m on an island club with Pharrell or whatever um contact they build you up into this absolute insanity and the Daft Punk, you know, would never. Daft they Punk, would never leave you hanging. I don't know. I think. I think it's. I think it's incredible. Daft, da, like an incredibly Daft Punkian move to always leave you wanting more. They right. They they have a career spanning twenty eight years. They did four proper albums, and two live albums. In that time, they did two world tours, and that's it. Their entire career is built on doing less and doing less and saying Amen. even less. I, I think, that's, I think that's France, baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and I, I think, I, I, uh, I think, um, career is a 20 hour. I think that there's something incredibly, uh, fitting about them as an entity to say like this, this never breaks into the euphoria. You want more from it, but that's what our whole career but has been. I agree completely with everything that you just said. But. And I think, no, not even but, not even a but. I think that you're absolutely right mm -hmm. that they did leave you wanting more by yeah. way of doing something that they haven't done in the past, which is take you to a build in a song that you yeah. don't get any relief from, which we've talked, Tomas has talked about it. You know, the, the, we've, we've heard that, uh, that, you know, their whole thing is doing something they've never done before. Yeah. And, in this moment of that, I believe a moment of, of, of preconceived finality, yeah. they both do something they've never done before by doing the same thing they've always done. Yeah. And that is the duality of contact. That is amazing to me. They leave you hanging after this insane build and they even put a little ro robotic heartbeat kind of noise at yeah. the very end that squanders into nothing. Um, so by doing something they've never done, they do the thing that they've always done. Which wonder, that's my takeaway. Uh, uh, so yeah, I, I think, like what? I said, yeah, uh, um, yeah, they're they they're they're also nostalgic. They they also they're proud of what they've done. Uh, they like they they like narrative. They like story. They like building something. Uh, I think yeah, like I said, with the sample and everything, that like the more I've researched, the more I've looked into this, the more uh, everything, the idea that that this album that was so intentionally unsampled that they that they that they 
centered this around such an obvious sample uh, uh, and that it's such a throwback to their heyday to the French touch days. Like they, they were doing this in the height of the French touch. That's where this idea came from. Yeah. This, this sample and this idea had been knocking around their brain since the early two thousands. That, that is meaningful. And I, and I truly now looking back, I truly think that like them capping this record with this, uh, was them saying like this, you know, our entire, our entire career was built on us trying to learn what it means to do this music. And we've learned, and this is, this is us saying this is, this is our mastery of it. And we are done. I, yeah. I think that this is it. I do. I, I those, do too. All that fucking money on those outfits, yeah. like a couple years later, they absolutely did not think this I don't was know the that, end of their I don't career. Know. They did all that shit with the Victorian stuff and all that. I go back and forth. I'm not. I'm not yeah. yelling at you. Like yeah, no, you're no, no, wrong. Yeah. Because a, a few weeks ago, I was like, this was the end of their career. They knew it. Okay, and then so they when spent, I'm thinking about, it, I'm like, no way. They spent all that money on those uh, those outfits. On the opposite end of it, Starboy was their first ever U.S. number one hit, and that song alone probably made them enough money that their kids never have to work. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, I, they were already rich. I, right, honestly, right. I know, but I like, I, yeah, they that, wouldn't have. What they, they spent, wouldn't have written feature sidetracks for yeah. some new star if they were not interested yeah, in doing shit. That's true. Like, I don't think. I don't think they. But but are they? My my question becomes because I've I've had that same thought. I've waffled on. Are they done with Daft Punk proper at this point? And are they switching to being producers at this point? You know, are they are they in this career where they're going to, you know, is this the end of Daft Punk could proper be, yeah. is my I thought. Th- I don't think they, I don't know if they view it in the same way we, I, I know they put a lot of weight on it as an entity, but I don't know if they view it that way. Yeah. Like, are they like, what does it mean for Daft Punk? Or is it just like, yeah, when the two of us together are going to do something, it's Daft. We 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 both want to do this. All right, it's Daft Punk. You know, like yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I oscillate because obviously yeah. they're very intentional with their choices. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and it's, then it, but, but the th- other this side is the fun, of it too. This is the fun of the like speculating, yeah. right? Like, uh, it it's such it's such a great album closer. Uh, it's su- it is such a final like it just feels like such a finality, and then when you put in all of these context clues, it feels intentional. But then the other I, one the that we choose of... to not look at is the fact that there is another track on the Japanese album. Okay, so right? but so, that that I that I attribute to they've they've talked about same thing, that. Yeah. So uh, the reason that they have clipped uh, new songs onto the Japanese versions of these albums. Is because they like the Japanese release cycle is so late that uh, that they can't sell records in Japan. So they they put an extra song on there just for the express purposes of like you yeah. should buy this because there's a new song on it. That makes so sense. So I don't I don't put any stock in the fact that Horizon is on the end I, of the Japanese track. I don't know. I th- I would not be interested in mythologizing this band if they hadn't broken up. I don't yeah. think I would like. I love this group. I would not be doing this if they hadn't split. I agree. As somebody, an, as somebody that. that is heavily in, that has been heavily invested in them, uh, um, half the fun of being a long term Daft Punk fan is the mythologizing. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like we'll talk about the intensity of Daft Punk rumors next week, but 
that that's like there there's a reason why the fan base is so fevered pitched in between cycles and it's because they never say anything their cycles are so spread apart and half the fun is like tizzying up on yeah. like you get a little snippet of information and the whole internet goes wild this would not like be a yeah. fun exercise in trying to look at their career yeah. as a whole if we felt like oh tomorrow they might they say could, that we're yeah. gonna, tomorrow they're uh, yeah. gonna actually show up at so you know whatever i said this i i've said this um and it felt real, like really real for me, like as a like from a mental health standpoint, the week after they broke up, I was like, oh, like this is weird. I have woken up every day for the last eight years with the thought in the back of my brain somewhere like this might be the day we find out what the next Daft Punk thing is. And it's really it's fun as a Daft Punk fan to think that because uh, they are so cryptic and they and their releases are so weird and like the way they announce their projects are, are are always weird that's always in the back of your mind this might be this might be the day that they finally say like we're working on new music or we have worked on new music or new we're music adding is ready. a third member we're adding a third member and he's bender he's uh um and the the morning they w- broke up it cra- like i woke up the next day and i was like i know finitely i know for sure that there is no more daft punk and i it's like this little slice of optimism or whatever that is gone you yeah. know that yeah, sucks. That's a bummer. But yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I do have agree to with be my own dev. I do. I have to make the yeah, stuff that I, I'm that excited but about. I'm Bender now. I agree. I need with to go out and this, make Devin. the stuff that I'm that ex- yeah. that makes me that excited. I, I think that part of the fun of this is realizing that probably I don't I don't know if this is a fair statement, but probably most of the stuff that we're talking about happens in our brains you know we, yeah. we pointed out like they you know the idea like that they thought this much like yeah there's a reality where maybe they did think this much and there's a reality where they put together 13 songs that happened to be recorded really cool and and, yeah. and came out perfect for something you know and there's a million ticks on this timeline of how in-depth they've thought about it um and and for me the the, the finality of it is very important to the speculation yeah. right to trying to figure it out trying to make sense of it because in reality what we're doing is exploring music we like and trying to figure out why and and we have these four very very distinct albums to look at and these two very distinct live albums and one score to look at and all of these things that interact in a weird way yeah. with the whole thing of Daft Punk and I think it, it is it is probably mostly happening up here right yeah, man. <laughs> the, the thing is like absolutely if we tried this with another group if we tried it with daft punk six months ago if we thought that they were going to put out another record next year our nine over co- nine hour coverage of ram would be like actually all of these are clues that are explaining right the next album yes. you know it's like yeah. we've yeah we've, we've really just yeah, invented this very yeah. intense thing. As a huge Daft Punk fan and somebody that consumed this record uh, uh, aggressively, uh, I, I, I at no point did I ever consider like this is it. 
Yeah. Until right. until like now listening to it aggressively. But, I mean, that's the difference. after they broke up. That's the yeah. difference between us talking emphatically over and over around a fire or just in the backyard yeah. or at the on my couch or whatever and doing a podcast, right? Right. Because we've done this. We've we did yeah. this for years leading up yeah. to doing the podcast yeah. or whatever. Um so the, the I don't know. I, I don't want to get too we're gonna have a whole episode on reflection, so I don't want to get yeah. too 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 deep into all of this. Yeah. But it is I, I don't know. I, I think going back to, to contact I don't yeah at the very least um at the very least there is finality yeah. for this album. The other um, and we'll in a way find so the, non, the second contact yeah. and put it back in their eye. The yeah. non <laughs> the non closure reading of this that I've always felt is uh, uh, this is structured uh, like an auditory uh, imagining of what it would be like to be launched into space. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah like, absolutely. That's like this. They is, get this, all the, the, the breakthrough noises. Yeah. Are very this, cool. this and song, the idea too yeah. of you know, there's no sound in space to yeah. it because there's nothing yeah. to, to, once to vibrate. Once you get through yeah. the screen, it like, breaks away. It breaks, right? away, it breaks away into yeah. nothing. This this song is is like uh, um, them being jealous of uh, Richard, uh, Richard Branson. Branson. <laughs> yeah, it is right. crazy that Daft. We're talking about yeah. the song "Contact," which is the sound of breaking yeah. into space, and the person who owned the record label yeah. that put out Discovery got shot into space yeah. this week. Yeah, that's really crazy. Yeah, the <laughs> man who has he went the through, master rights he to did Discovery, or whatever, got shot into space this week. He did the week this song. We're recording. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. he did this song in real life. He's like one of the Jeez. first regular ass people to shoot himself yeah. into space, and he did it the week we're talking about the record he put out, Daft Punk's. Like, well, this was nuts. Columbia. This, this was Columbia, not, but, not, yes. but the first but yes. two albums. Yeah, that's really nuts. Yeah, absolutely. When else in human history? Has been as a song. Will that happen? Where a private citizen who owns a record <laughs> has a label personal about connection. robots who write songs about shooting in the space gets shot in the space. Confident, confident that there is no other time in human history where a human who was launched into space has some sort of tangential personal connection to a song put out a about being launched into space. space. Yeah, that's yeah. really crazy, man. Jeez. The guy yeah. who put out. Yeah, <laughs> that's really weird. Yeah. yeah. Oh well. Oh well. Oh well. Um, you oh guys well. got what's next? Favorite so, tracks? Favorite tracks. Uh favorite tracks. I I touch. This is such a hard one. I I, I remember. Are you going with touch? touch? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. One hundred percent. Uh, uh good you'd tune. be stupid not to. I guess. Motherboard. <laughs> You're on motherboard? Motherboard. That's I, my Andy showed me motherboard. That yeah. was not one that was on my radar That's until my, like I, Berg's house. You yeah. played at Berg's yeah. house one time. That's the one I go back to. I love that song. I, you know what? I, I'm gonna go. I, I am gonna go with Contact. Yeah. Uh, Contact for me, it, 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 it is everything that I want. It's, it, it's a song that, it instantly transports me to like, the craziest version of the happiest places in my brain yeah. or whatever which, oh, which yeah. yeah it's it's uh, it's tough listening listening to it at the cabin before yeah. turning movies on yeah and yeah. just like punching the sky yeah or Ooh, yeah. you know absolutely you know or you know caitlin and i on the bridge in you know a, yeah. a, a crazy it was like a crazy 
it was we went up there it was supposed to be way too cold we got a random 70 degree day where there's nobody up north and we are on the middle of this bridge with no cars and there's a million stars and contacts blaring this is a song about punching the sky yeah i mean <laughs> yeah, it is. literally it really yeah. is but i mean that's like i, I mean some of my some of my favorite memories with my yeah. favorite people are yeah. punctuated by this song by punching the sky by, i mean and punctuated yeah. i mean it offers yeah. finality yeah. from what we're doing to what we're going my, to do, you know. My sleeper is one thousand percent motherboard. That like that was going to be my that's sleeper. A, it is. It, it's groover, it's man. an incredibly it's incredible track. So okay, so this is a point I have not made uh, in my in this whole four three and a half hours, uh, which uh, uh, I can't believe it took this long to get to. This album is house music for old people. <laughs> For old farts to sit on the couch yeah, to, I agree. They, like, li- okay, so listen to the way these mu- this these these songs build and break. It's all there. It's fucking house it music, but it's chill it's, as fuck. It is headphone. It's music. headphone music. It is. It's house music for people in their forties who are like, I can't go to the club anymore, but I want to groove out to it. The thing about psychedelia like this is, it's like. Let's go on a journey without yeah. moving. Yes, you know. Yeah, motherboards. The I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Is. it's house music. It's house music for. Uh, they, these are guys that are in their forties. Yeah, and they're making the music that they love for themselves now. They like they're guys with kids and families, and they don't party anymore. Some but of they're France's most forty-year-old men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some uh, of France's and, most forty-year-old and, and, and it hits and it it, and it builds and it acts and moves like that. It moves in grooves like house music, but it's chill, chiller, and more welcoming. Um. It warmer in a weird, in a weird way. Yeah. Gonzalez. So and, our, and and motherboard is a prime example of that. So mother, it's, it's party music for laying down your couch and listening to it uh, uh, loud enough that your wife yells oh, at yeah. you. So motherboards, you're asleep. What you got a sleeper? Yeah. Uh, probably beyond. Yeah, beyond. I yeah, I, I, I. This is the sleeper is very hard for me. I, 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 I. I I feel reluctant to call doing it right. My sleeper. Cause it's one of my favorite songs, but I, I am going to go with doing it right. It, it's that, 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 especially that one, two punch of doing it right. Contact. Um, I, two of my favorite songs of all time, uh, back to back. So, uh, I'm going contact favorites doing it. But right it's, sleeper. it's, it's crazy to have a 76 minute record and be like, there's no fat. No, there's nothing to cut. I wouldn't. I wouldn't slice any of it. I wouldn't trim any of that these tracks. That means they already did because I had five years of it. You know. Yeah. Like I, I would love to hear some demos. Oh stuff. my god! Jesus Christ! Oh my god! Yeah. Speaking of which, um, so like you mentioned, uh, the Japanese version of this album came with a bonus track, uh, called Horizon, and let's just hear a snippet of it.
the, so the, the, bass, the bass yeah. is very front and center. You yeah. Know, which... It's the same bass riff as is the same bass as Motherboard. Yeah. It is the same bass line. The same. It's it's slowed down a little bit, but it's the same thing as like. This is laying in your bed music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Horizon, like Horizons, it's like we said, it's got that that Pink Floyd. I wouldn't. Yeah. I would not put any. I think I have trouble putting any like like. I dig intellectual, the track. I, I dig the like, track. I don't. I don't like applying it to the narratives that I've created. I spent you can, yeah, ten yeah. bucks buying that uh, making of DVD of Dark Side of the Moon, which is a thing that I've seen like a zillion times because we were listening to this, and I was like, you know what? I should pick that up because I. It was something I loved watching when I was younger. I think that thing is like a Rosetta Stone for this album because when yeah. you hear them talking about making this record, yeah. Both sonically yeah. and Pink in terms Floyd. of the way they do this is like yeah we'll watch we'll watch that as a Honestly, group one yeah night. anything cool. like Pink Floyd like Alan Parsons project Alan like, Parsons did the he engineers yeah Dark Side of the Moon so he like yep he's part of that documentary you got to hear him talk about yeah. the way he records like like when they talk about recording like water drops on the stage yeah he recorded like a hundred clocks for the Pink Floyd record. <laughs> we got to watch that. Yeah. Thing. Great. Yeah. That, I, that, and that, and that's exactly where the inspiration from this shit came from. Like, uh, uh, there was that quote from our first episode on Ram where Tomas was like, there was a time in music when people with the money and the means to experiment would do so. And that, that's what this whole record yeah. about. Record they clocks. have the, they got to a point where they had the money and the means they put a fucking bunch of shit money into this. And we're like, what What can we do? What big, crazy thing? And, and, and we've talked about it over and over again, right? Every time that they start ramping up to a new project, it starts with this little kernel of an idea. And they let it get out of control. And they spend too much money. And they get too invested. And they, they get too granular with the details until this project is bigger and weirder and crazier than they ever could have imagined. That sounds like me going out on a Friday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They do it over and over again. Yep. And this is this is the grandest scale version of that because it started with an idea of like what if we got uh what if we had real people play our music and they spent they spent over a million dollars on the idea of what if real people played our music and then they won a great they won five it's Grammys. It's really funny to be like, I'm gonna spend a million dollars on what if someone played our music. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but I mean. then yeah. What yeah. if what if people played the songs I wrote? What if people played dollars? the songs I wrote? And they spent over a million dollars and they made the most rich, full, weird um uh album that of the two thousand tens. Uh, uh, and it's something that I think will just be, uh, valued and cherished by music fans forever because the music industry is just going to get more digital and, and stuff. And this is, this is going to be something that stands as like, uh, um, one of those things like it, uh, the movie industry is the same way, right? Like there are a couple filmmakers that are like these overtly green screen movies look flat and weird and boring. What if we still did practical effects? What if we still, what if we still did what stuff that looked cool? made a movie about a bunch of fellas. Yeah. They're hanging out. <laughs> they're talking too. Actually. What if like people were I, in need, our movies? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I just think we need, 
we need more people like Tomas and Guimond. Or like, what if we still made this? What if we still I made tactile for, art? For that's, me, that's the word. For me, I don't tactile. know about like like I I agree with you that there's a bunch of value to tactile art. But but one of the the the, the principle that I will carry with me from Ram is what if we looked back to go forward, right? I, I think yeah. that that is, yes. I, I mean, I think there's a lot that we can talk about the technical analog versus digital, that stuff. But really what is, is most astounding to me is they, they know what they're pointing at. They know who they're learning from and, and in typical or in, in, in Daft Punk fashion, they're, 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 they're becoming experts on, what they love and then they're taking their crack at it in their own way. So, you know, without, I, I don't know if digital or analog's better. I know that for Daft Punk, they made this album the way that they wanted to intentionally. And so, it's great. It They're telling you here that they're like, neither's better together. You can make something really powerful. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Is that, is the universal rule about the method of production or is the universal rule intentionality? I think intentionality is, is what they get right yeah. over and over again. Um, I think you can, you know, I think that there's plenty of questions we could dive into and we will in the look back, but like there are things that they simply have access to and means yeah, of, of recording course. that people won't be able to have. So the question is, if you're somebody who with a laptop and a dream and, and, and a vision, what can you learn from Ram? It's not get $5,000 microphones and get Giorgio Moroder. It's learn from the people who did this and, and, and be intentional about what you're doing. Sure. I think that's yeah, the big takeaway for yeah. me. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. Hell yeah. I love this record. I love it too. Um, um, and, good songs. Uh, and I, I, I hope, I truly hope that this will help some Daft Punk fans that were are a little more lu- uh, lukewarm on this record understand why it's so special. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It, that's it's Ram. Like, yeah, it's Ram. Uh, I love it. I I just can't. I can't wrap. I can't wrap it up. I, I have nothing to wrap it up with because uh, the the words escape me. Uh, like I, you know, my I my professional life has been re- revolved around figuring out how to verbalize feelings and thoughts. I cannot do it with this record. I can't. I I, I have no. I have no way to contextualize my appreciation for it. I have no way. I'll do it, man. 13 pleasant songs. <laughs> nice ride, man. Good record. <laughs> Buy the CD. Put it in your car. They're all fine. Hell yeah. Disco's here to stay. <laughs> oh my God. What do we got next week? What's, yeah. our, what's our favorite songs this week? What do we got next uh, week? Yeah. What, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. What do you, what do you got this week? Okay. Uh, for so fa- every, every week, uh, at the end of our episodes, uh, uh, we each pick a song, uh, an electronic song that we're obsessed with right now. It could be something new, could be something old that we're rediscovering, could be something old that we're finding out for the first time. It's just we love this music. We want to share with you our love of it. Yep. So we hope that uh, this introduces you to something. We call our blips your blobs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so and, for, and nineteen uh, weeks into this, <laughs> we finally name, yeah. nineteen we'll, weeks into we'll this go back project. And put that in the- <laughs> Uh, so you this guys, is our blips, your blops. Darren, what's your blip this so week? So for me, I was uh, spending a little bit of time with the uh, the uh, the album that won uh, best electronic album uh, the year after Ram actually. So that is uh, Cyro by Aphex Twin, and my track is the uh, very succinctly titled uh, "180db underscore bracket 130 close bracket." <laughs> Thank you. 
I uh it's it's Apex Twin. Yeah. There's some detune stuff. Uh, There's some crazy stuff. When that record came out, I'd been waiting. I yeah. was like wh- I could not wait for it to come out and I rather than listen to the album, I scrubbed through all the songs, yeah. which is not how I usually no. listen to music, but I was just so excited and I wanted to know cuz some of the songs can be yeah, you know, like yeah, not have an entry point. I got to that and I listened to it. I was uh, living in New York at the time, and I I listened to it on the subway for like two hours. Yeah, like going yeah. like uptown. Yeah. I was I there love too. Love that song, I, and it's I, so good. I'll I'll admit here, I like I have had a hard time like connecting with Aphex Twins at like at, at at any point. I love I love electronic music, but this is yeah. one one thing I've never like so, locked into because it that's is that's a good headphone. Yeah, pick an album, especially. And do a headphone I mean, night. so it's weird to me because what I did with that album is I listened to it the I, way that I yeah. would listen to Ram, so, uh, and it's very different. It's a very yeah. different world, but it's the My, same style of listening. Listen to the the parameters yeah. that are being played with. Listen to it. it's headphone music. Uh, parameters. It's, I get it. I get it. Uh, it, I, just, my my connection with this music is the grooviness of house music, and that is. That it's absent in in a lot of Aphex Twin stuff. The groove is not in the drums. The groove is in That's, the heart. The groove is in the heart. It is. Tr- it's <laughs> yeah. hard to. It, yeah, I just I can't. It's it's hard to as as somebody if you that want to loves, feel the body movement. It's like there is a groove in there, but it is not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like it's just crazy. somebody that that loves the the smoothness and the the like comfortability of house music. That that Aphex Twins just never appealed to me. You'll. I think you'll figure it out because there's yeah, a reason yeah. like like yeah like Daft Punk's like window like yeah. changed my life or Simeon Mobile Disco's like yeah. my favorite albums selected ambient works or Seinfeld and yeah. X Mag is like I should yeah. change my life that AFX Twin played my song. Yeah, there's it's, something it's in very there weird and you will to me and specifically that album Cyro listening to that I I tried to listen to that album a little bit ago and it just I didn't it didn't work for me I I didn't feel a connection to it and then I put it on kind of mind-numbingly driving and really listening uh, and it like something just clicked and I realized what you said the groove isn't in the same place it's in the heart it's but it's not in the same place as it is in a lot of the house songs we listen to it's just it exists and it's there in a weird Uh, way you said that Daft Punk has a song for everybody yeah if you like Daft Punk you will find it. Aphex Twin. If you like House, okay, there's yeah. a House song. If yep. you like Acid, there's an Acid song. If you like pretty ambient piano, yeah. if you like radio stuff, show me that. So show me the. Stuff. Show me the Aphex Twin House song. Yeah. Show me yeah. that, and th- let's see if that's an entry point for oh, me because yeah. I've so, never found an entry point to Aphex Twin. I think you you should listen to Window Liquor and yeah. headphones sometime. Yeah. Because that, I like electronic music because of that. Yeah. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, this is uh, Rack Attack, uh, a new song by Mark Pritchard. <laughs> I love those drums. I think that's uh, pieces of that are 
going to go in my set. Yeah. Yeah. Pritchard's a guy who came up. He's a warp dude. Yeah. And he came up in the 90s with Apex Twin. They were yeah. both on warp in the early 90s. Yeah. I love him, man. Yeah, he's out there doing stuff. I think this is a, That's a, a newer great one. That's a great tune. That's yeah. very good. I haven't listened to him in a long time. Dude, this is a newer song. Listen to how this song starts. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. I think I think uh I think if I use this in my set, I think I'm going to sample that scream and then fade out the other song and just let that scream go and then uh, uncork it yeah, and just rocks. let the drums come in. I think that's how I'm going to use it. The first, the Aphex Twin record that's very, like, that's an entry point for a lot of people is Selected Ambient Works too. None of it is, like, loud or annoying. Yeah. It's all quiet and kind of moody stuff. And it has a song called On that uh, Mark Pritchard did a remix of at the time. Okay. Like, it might be on the record or, like, on the remix of it but i like that guy fucking rocks i should go back and listen to more of his new music because i've yeah i've listened to him mostly in the context of like yeah 20 years ago yeah he's still yeah that rocks what you got i've got what uh, blip do you got to blorp or whatever oh yeah what uh our blips your blops (laughs) (laughs) i almost made myself cry laughing (laughs) us saying that uh, we were at Ryan Elliott at TV Lounge, uh, phenomenal uh, bah, Berlin nah, nah. Uh, producer and DJ. He played Stardust. He played Stardust twice. It was twice. incredible. He played this. It's a more recent remix of uh, Lou Rawls and Frankie Knuckles, and it's by Eric Cupper and one other person who owns the record label that it came out on, and I can't remember what it is. but It's um, called You'll Never Find Another uh, Another Love Like Mine. Yeah. It'll take the end of all time Someone to understand you Like I You'll never find The rhythm the rhyme All the magic we share Just us two it was such a confident way to end a set with just yeah. this like kind of tropical, like light tropical cut, groove. Cut like, t- like another thirty seconds into that, that's a really, it's a, that's a fucking so journey. It's like, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like a weird like. It gets reverby yeah. and it lets the like the top perk like the congas and stuff kind of roll around the yeah. top of the song left very cool right it's a fucking groover very cool you well miss my loving. well folks we did it we're uh, yeah we talked on for a long time talked for a long time i knew this was going to be a long episode yeah I, for some reason i didn't think this was going to be as long as it is but uh i'm glad we did we it. you one of us has said that every single week well what's wild is uh i knew this was going to be a long one because uh, peek behind the curtain you guys uh I, so, for, for the amount of raw time we've recorded this is by far the least like like technical production edit notes i've had on an oh, episode yeah. in a long time so it's very cool um, this is gonna be a good up i i could keep talking about this record for four more hours and you um, will after I will. you yeah. go home to yeah. bed <laughs> to, to my wife who's yeah. asleep in bed um, I'll just, you'll have to go in your special room to be annoying uh, about what do we got next week um so um 
uh, post Ram life. Wow. What does it look like? What did they work on? And when did they break up? Hell yeah. All right. So with that, uh, if you're still here, we love you for it. Uh, send us a message uh, at info at alive of 21, yeah. 2021.com. If, if possible, shirts. if possibly buy a shirt, you are still here four hours into this thing and you are in the continental U.S. Um, email me at info at alive 2021. Uh, email me um, a just email me a link to a song that you like. The first person that emails me a link to a song that they like, uh, we'll mail a T-shirt to them. And you have to put a haiku in there, and you have <laughs> it has to be proper syllables. Uh, uh, it has to be. I'm the only one that checks the email, so <laughs> it better have a haiku in it, or else you're not getting anything. I've got an EP coming out August seventh. Devin Jetski on Spotify. Check it out. It's called Incredible Behavior, I think. So uh, hmm. follow me on that. that sounds uh, Devin Jetski, check it out. Cool. I'm Darren. Uh, you, I do a bunch of stuff. I'm at the most Darren on social media. My name's Andy. Uh, I'm at Andy Reed, Andy Reed on Instagram, R-E-I-D. Um, let's party. Hell yeah, that's it. <laughs> See you next Come week. Come to Planet Ant Theater in Hamtramck. Bye-bye. Hello, everyone. Alive 2021 is a member of the Planet Ant Podcast Network and was created by Andy Reed, developed by Andy Reed, Devin Rosenai, and Darren Shelton, with technical production by Darren Shelton. For more information, please visit Alive2021.com.